You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this sin, not join them. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The Shattered Order Podcast proudly presents Chosen One. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 267th episode of the Shattered Order Podcast. I'm your host, Goodnight Punk, and with me for the first time is my buddy Richie. Richie, what's going on? Not much. Glad to be here. Can't believe it took 200 and some odd episodes for me to be a guest on here. (laughs) Yeah. You don't look like Wink. What is going on here? (laughs) So for everyone out there that doesn't know, this is Richie, my good friend, also known as the elephant in the room. You've seen him on the podcast before, but mostly sitting in the background behind me. Um, I think the last time I remember you being on the show, uh, Cubs fan Han was on with me and Wink, and you were in the background, and gosh, I wish I could give credit where it's due, but someone made a nice meme of the uh, screenshot of that video where your head was over all three of our shoulders. I remember that. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, so you may have noticed that uh, Wink is not here. You forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen him. <laughs> Who knows how long till I see him again. But if you didn't know, Wink is now a papa. He's a daddy now, so uh, if you have not heard or you had not heard, now you know. Wink is a dad. His baby baby and mama are healthy and safe. Uh, I think it was Tuesday in the morning. It's funny because the literal guess is so... I don't know if you know about this, Richie, but we had a blue giveaway for who could guess the closest to the delivery date and the time without going over. Oh, wow. And uh, somebody... The winner, I don't know who it is. Wink will have to announce it when he's back. Someone guessed within an hour. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive skill. They should, get, uh, they should get a bonus. They should get, like, a blue microphone or something. They should get a blue microphone, yeah. That's a pretty good bonus. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's that'll be coming... The announcement for that will be coming once Wink's back. Hopefully next week. I don't know for sure yet, but uh, if not, I'm going to have to find someone uh, to guess again next week for some Swagga stuff. So, but for everyone out there that's wondering why, what's going on, why the different intro, what's what's going on, basically. Uh, we are moving to this new format that we're starting where we're going to do Star Wars Entertainment every other week and swugga all the weeks between that basically trying to refresh for ourselves it's getting it's been a little uh content dry lately with swugga as far as news and everything else and we've got a lot of stuff coming up uh within the next year 
Star Wars related. Not to mention we still haven't seen Bad Batch. I haven't seen Rebels. Wink hasn't seen Clone Wars. There's so much Star Wars content that we haven't seen that we got enough to talk about. And I know that a lot of you guys have wanted to hear us talk about those types of things for a while. So we're going to start getting into that. So what are we talking about tonight? Not Swaggo because I stopped playing years ago. (laughs) You were able to get out. (laughs) Clean break. My wallet thanked me. (laughs) Drew, are we going to call him Daddy Wink now? I'm not. I think Maybe you, you can if you'd like to. I think you have to for at least one episode. His first episode back, I think you have to call him Daddy Wink. Out of respect. As as long as Wink's in there. Because <laughs> I don't know, in my, in my head, I was like, I'm not calling Wink Daddy. So that's not happening. But are you still doing the Mod El Fiesta? Not tonight. Tonight, we will be talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. There were th- I gave you guys three options at the beginning of the week. Um... And you guys were very generous to me because two of the options were going to be a lot harder to review than this one. So the options were Visions, Star Wars Visions, the new cartoon anime stuff that came out, which I found out recently is actually not canon. It's written as a, a Legends type thing, just as a fun thing that they put out. You don't um, want to get me started on Legends. <laughs> oh, the orig- the real Legends? The real Legends. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get you your own Legends podcast. There you go. can talk about Cornhorn for like 10 episodes. Forever. Um, Call him Daddy. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Visions. I also did Caravan of Courage as well as Solo. And you guys all wanted to see Solo. Not all. There were votes. Equal votes for Visions and uh, Caravan of Courage. It's hilarious that I saw some of your comments were... Uh, if I had to watch Visions, you're going to have to now. So I'm really glad that didn't happen, at least not to be forced to watch it. So, Yeah, I haven't watched Visions either. And from the people that I know that have, it's uh, not that impressive, which is disappointing because there's so much space in Star Wars to tell stories that they decide to tell non-canical stories. <laughs> what you got there? By the way, I just took my drink up to take a sip of it, and uh, it's totally doing what I said it was. Well, let's. I know it's not the regular podcast we're doing our chosen ones now, but I got to ask you, what are you drinking? Well, as you know, but not everybody else does, I'm not big drinker, but I do have some truly berry punch because it is fruity and delicious. Very I'm nice, enjoying very it. Nice. What about you? You have something invisible. Yeah, so there's a lot of green on this can, so you won't be able to see it very well, but you will be able to see that there is a green Power Ranger as well as Tommy Pickles for uh, the can. And uh, let me hold up this beer. You see my beer there? You do. They don't. They see right through me. I can show off a AT-AT with this beer. Let me see if I can turn this... uh, Let me see if I can turn this filter off real quick so people can see this apparently i'm eating ice cream too (laughs) i was gonna say that i don't know how many hands you had right there that was interesting (laughs) (laughs) using a mouse holding the beer eating ice cream all right so now you can see it green beer anyways i thought that was cool i don't i haven't i don't think i've ever had a green beer that wasn't colored for uh saint patty's day 
St. Patty's Day, yes. Anyways, delicious Berliner Weiss lemon lime. Freaking awesome. I'm loving it. So I do love the can. That's some 90s <laughs> <Yeah>. nostalgia. <laughs> I love that was odd. Yes, it is very odd to... Uh, it's like I'm holding my background inside my cup. Very odd. All right. So anyways, back on topic here. We're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story tonight. So we're going to start off. I'm, I've got a few little sections here. We, we're going to talk about the movie info, basically uh, just some of the information about the movie, uh, the reception to the movie, the cast. And then we've got some notes on just key points of the movie we wanted to talk about that we wrote down. And then finally, we'll talk about our final feedback and thoughts on the movie. So why don't we start with uh, the movie info, starting with the directors. Because the funny thing about this movie, as well as several other Star Wars movies, is uh, all, the, uh, all the weird director stuff. So why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so if people aren't aware, the movie was originally going to be directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who did the Lego movie. Uh, so <laughs> thinking about that and the type of tone you can imagine that the Solo movie would have had with the Lego movie, uh, towards the end of production, Phil... Uh, I almost called him Phil Howard. Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard was uh, brought in to fix what Disney thought was the problem with the solo movie, which was that it was too improvisational and going off script, um, which sounds a lot like Thor Ragnarok to me, which was the best Thor movie. So it kind of makes me think that solo could have had some of that magic theoretically. But regardless, Ron Howard reshot 70% of the movie and changed basically everything um which i i like to be think it's interesting you know there's a lot of that talk about the the snyder cut of justice league and the air cut of suicide squad and it just makes me wonder if there's a completely different solo movie out there somewhere that you know could be released and and just just how different it would be from the final one i love the final movie i, I mean just get that out there right at the beginning i love solo i'm pissed there weren't more um but just the thought of there being 70 percent different movie i don't know i find that interesting it's certainly because it would be interesting to find out if they so in the movie we'll talk about them the actual direct uh things in this movie that they kind of tried to hash out in one movie all of han solo's lore but it would be interesting it would be interesting to see if phil lord and christopher miller um their version of the movie had the same um, explanations for the things that the Ron Howard produced movie, movie right? You know what I mean? Right, like what 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 changes would have been made to Solo's backstory, like the canon, depending mm -hmm. on between the Christopher Miller, Phil Lord, and Ron Howard. I know that's that's pretty interesting, and I will say this too, like um, not to get too deep into it, but they they kept a lot of the legends canon about Solo's backstory. I mean, there's a lot of influence that you can see on the movie, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what changes, you know, the Lord and Miller would have made. Again, it just, it piques my interest. I'd, I'd love to see it, even if it wasn't, you know, canical, because this one is considered canical. If they ever released the alternate version, I, I'd watch it. I'd be interested to see, you know, how they how they change it up. Or maybe they left it more open for, for a sequel, because that was originally intended to be a trilogy, and then they just changed their mind. So who knows? 
Well, we'll get into that too, as far as reception goes. But the one thing I found interesting is that the director for the movie was credited as Ron Howard, like you said, not Phil Lord or Christopher Miller as well. Uh, they were only credited as executive producers, I believe. And I found something interesting on the internet when looking up these producers between going between Phil Lord and Christopher Miller to Ron Howard. And that was something I didn't know. It wasn't that Disney didn't want to put their names on the movie. It's like, according to this thing called the Directors Guild of America, they couldn't even have done it if they wanted to. Because they changed like, so much of the movie that it wasn't even, like, their baby anymore. Yeah, so, like, apparently the way it works with this these bylaws of the Directors Guild of America, which all almost all major production companies sign, is if you don't uh, film... St- over 90% of the principal filming, then you cannot be credited as a director of the film because to be credited as a director of the film, there's a bunch of things that go along with it, like being, being, not being, they cannot cut you out of post-production. You have to be a part of every meeting if you're listed as a director. Uh, You cannot be, they cannot not take your input for post-production changes. you know, everything has to go through the producers for the producer's cut. And so they filmed 75% of the principal filming of the movie. So 15% less than they could have to been uh, connected as um, producers. Now, the other thing to this is this was this had to have been planned by Disney because of the fact that in order for a replacement director to be uh, fully in charge of the post-production, they have to film 20% of the principal filming. So that 75 mark, if they had done it after 80, they still wouldn't have had to put the other two as the producers, but they still wouldn't have been able to have Ron Howard be the principal director for all the post-production. So it was completely a targeted move when it happened. And it's just interesting the uh, dynamics of all of that because it's timing is everything. But when you look at it, it was just kind of like, oh, this thing happened. We didn't know why or the reason it happened when it did. But knowing all of that makes a lot more sense. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, Hollywood, man, they love their their red tape and their semantics like that. And it's a shame for, for Phil Lord and Christopher Miller because, I mean, We'll never like the public will never know if their film was really so bad that it needed to be reshot and fixed by Ron Howard or if it was just an executive decision by Disney. I mean, that's who knows? Like they they who they, their their version could have been, you know, more critically accepted and maybe we would have gotten more solo backstory. So I didn't check this out when I did the notes, so I just kind of brought up Phil Lord because I'm curious Past 2018, when he was pulled off of that movie, what other things that he's made? Lego um, Movie 2. Lego Movie 2. He made Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Really? Yeah, he was the director on that, or producer on that. Um, the the Uni, Unikitty TV show. So another <laughs> spinoff of the Lego movie. Um, apparently he's doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. So, I mean... 
taking out the Lego stuff, every there's a lot. I still haven't seen into the Spider Verse as much as I want to. I haven't taken the time, but I know that's a very well liked um, series. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're Lego and they're animated, but if you look at the the dialogue and like the comedy behind them, I mean, I enjoyed Lego Movie, Lego Movie Two, Into the Spider Verse. Like, I thought they were all good movies. Um, would that have fit a live action solo movie? I don't know, but I, I'm curious. You know, I would have, I would have still seen it, but uh, and I will say, I I liked, like I said, I like Solo. Um, I like what Ron Howard did. I just just wish that we could have gotten more of it because Han is such a deep character. And I thought, you know, there's so much story that could have been told and, and Ron Howard, you know, we'll get in this later, but I, I liked a lot of his directable choices, like the cinematography behind it. So again, it's, it's like, I, I, I would have wanted to see Phil Lord and Christopher Miller's version, but I still enjoyed Ron Howard's version. Right. Uh, yeah. So just a little, uh, Trivia there for you as far as those guys go. By the way, I looked up Christopher Miller as well. They must be a twins because they run in all the same producer movies. I think it's called things. The so duo, they're just a team. Twins. <laughs> duo, twins, you know. Different last know. names, probably not twins. I don't know. Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger were twins. Touche. So. <laughs> I have no comeback. All right. Um, rating, this movie was rated PG-13, no surprise there. It was a Star Wars movie, although there were, um, several parts of the movie that alluded to cursing, as opposed to, uh, actually putting it in the movie. I think there were several points where Lando said, oh, sh and then it cut away from him. I love the comment about Lando's <laughs> so. prestidigitation, because I wonder how many people went and Googled that term after the movie. <laughs> Wait, What? What did he do? I don't know what you're talking about. When Kira was talking about land, we'll get we'll get into it when we get when we get there. I don't okay, want to jump okay. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Runtime is two hours and fifteen minutes. You know, honestly, that's a long movie. That was it was movie. a lot longer than I remember. Yeah, I, we was I started watching it again, and I'm like, before I started, I looked at the runtime, and I was like, oh, this movie was over two hours. And then when I watched it, I'm like, there's still a lot to go in this, and we're an hour in. No wonder it was two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw a lot. There was a lot going on in that movie. Yeah. Um. All right. So reception. What are we looking at from Rotten Tomatoes here? Critical score seventy percent in four hundred and eighty-two reviews. Audience score sixty-four percent in over twenty-five thousand reviews. Which, Anything surprise you there? Um. <laughs> You know what's funny? I It's actually higher than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, I would like to see how that weighs up against all of the movies, and I don't think we did that, like all of the Star Wars movies, because right. Solo's considered, you know, a bomb because it didn't perform at the box office. But as far as the ratings go, I mean, that doesn't seem that low. I I, I feel like there's got to be some of the prequels or, or sequels that uh, that were lower than that, at least with the audience score. God knows the critics love The Last Jedi, but... Yeah, that's what I was to say. I got it up now. I'm going to look up some of these. Do you? Yeah, I'm just curious. But, but while the thing that confused that, yeah. me there was that the I thought the audience score would be higher than the critics score because I thought the critics hated that movie. 
See, I think the critics liked it because, it, you know, going back to Ron Howard, if you watch it, the, a lot of the cinematography that he does is very, you know, impressive. Um, so I can see, and it was nominated for an Emmy for Best Visual Effects, I think. So mm -hmm. critically, 70%, okay. The audience score 64. I thought it would be way lower than that. I mean, you look at the box office gross it made, and it's like no one saw this movie. So I assumed yeah. it'd be like in the 40s. Yeah, true. It's both scores surprised me to be honest. They were both way higher than I thought they would be. So there's that. I got the movies pulled up here, by the way. You're looking at Rise of Skywalker, fifty-two percent from the critics, eighty-six from the audience. Okay. Uh, for the Last Jedi, it was ninety-one percent from the critics and forty-two percent from the audience. Yeah, that makes sense. Rogue One. 84% critics, 86% audience. Force Awakens, 93% from the critics, 85% from the audience. So by far the most liked uh, as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes for the new trilogy. See, and that's just going back to like The Last Jedi. What was it? 40 something percent from the audience. Yeah. And... And Solo beat it by 20%, and it's and Solo's considered the bomb. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other movies, uh, Revenge of the Sith, 80%, 80% critics, 66% audience. That one only surprised me because that's my favorite Star Wars movie. But, but and that's, that's because you have to remember how it was, how the prequel trilogy was thought of 20 years ago when it came out. There is a lot more interest in it now because of, you know, Clone Wars and, and people just maturing. Um, mm. And honestly, the fact that the sequel trilogy wasn't that good either. So people go back and watch the prequel trilogy and they're like, hey, maybe we judge this a little too harshly. <laughs> maybe this wasn't <laughs> as bad as we thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you look at the scores for episodes two and one, you'll see that episode three actually did have some favorable reviews because it's 65 and 56 for Attack of the Clones, and 52 and 59 for Episode 1. Oof, God, that's low. And then you get into the original trilogy, where, as you can see, <laughs> very well-liked. 92% and 96% for A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back was 94 and 97. 97% of people that reviewed this on Rotten Tomatoes. Loved it. So I'm, I'm honestly surprised it's a not massive 100. score. Right? <laughs> Should have been a perfect and then score. Return of the Jedi, 82% from the critics and 94% from the audience. I think the Ewoks dropped that 82%. I know a lot of critics were <laughs> critical of Ewoks. They don't like the cash grab you know of mean? Ewoks? <laughs> yeah. Apparently not. Yeah, but they loved the Porgs in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Sorry. Weird. I hate The Last Jedi. That's going to come out a lot anytime I talk. <laughs> okay, so um, top, well, let's go with the global bo box office gross was three hundred and ninety-two million. This, the gross is where you talk about bombs. Okay, um, they were eleventh out of eleventh for worldwide gross with that three hundred ninety-two million. Is that out of the Star Wars movies? Yes, okay. out of all eleven Star Wars movies, they were second out of eleven for production cost. That's because the um, reshoots. The eleven, the the 
the production cost was two hundred seventy-five million, and I read that if they would have had to have made five hundred million uh, gross to make a profit, so they yeah. didn't make a profit on Solo. Um, so compare that, compare that to Rogue One. They made the gross on that movie was a one thousand one billion and fifty-six million. Um, and the production cost was $75 million less than Solo. Yeah, so they made, so, easily made half a billion dollars on Rogue One after costs, it sounds like. Yes, if, exactly. If the math in my head is correct. So I got a picture up on the, on the, uh, on the live stream. You can't really see it, but it's just kind of a visual for everyone out there. Where Solo sits as far as gross goes. Oh, with two charts. So it's got the amount spent with the amount grossed. And it pretty much shows where the bomb happened. Because one of the most expensive Star Wars movies. And it didn't even go into the green. So that is where the bomb part goes in. It doesn't really come from the story, obviously. Because a lot of the reviews are better than some of the other movies. But the fact that no one showed out to the theater to show that support... um, is part of the problem. And I, 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 well, I feel like there was something going on in the world when this movie came out that made it hard to get to the theaters. Um, but I don't remember what it was. Well, I will say that. Oh, in I chat, remember. Um, I said in chat. Yeah. You know. The infinity war had just come out. I think like three weeks previous to that. Um, yeah, not to mention that insane. this came out five months after the last Jedi. So there was a lot of talk I remember at the time. <laughs> That's of the other thing. Star Wars because, fatigue. And a lot of people didn't like The Last Jedi. So they were like, I'm not going to go five months later and spend my money on Solo. Yeah. As, they were basically boycotting The Last Jedi by not going to see Solo and tanking the sales of Solo, regardless of if that movie was good or not. Yep. So there was a lot going on at the time. That's that's. I knew there was something because I remember when the movie came out and they were talking about the low money it was making. I remember thinking to myself, the timing for the release of this was absolutely terrible. Yeah, I remember. You know, when it came out, the opening weekend wasn't that great, and everyone's talking about oh, Star Wars fatigue, and there is such a thing as too much Star Wars. And I was thinking to myself, no, there's not. Just go see it, and you'll know how good it is. But mm-hmm. too many people just let the. Uh, let the reviews or, or what they heard on, on the news affect their choices. And now, now though, I think like if you go and look now, I think solo has become kind of a, a cult classic for star Wars fans. Like a lot of people, I know, like, I forget what day it is, but like there's a national solo day and everybody tweets about trying to get a sequel and all that. So it's, it's still got a fan base out there. Yeah. I think it was the two year anniversary. Okay. So, Going off what you said, we missed a part in the general info. This movie was released May 25th, 2018. When I looked at that date, it surprised me. This movie hasn't even been out for four years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's only been three and a half years since this movie came out. That's because the last year and a half felt like a decade. <laughs> That's probably it. Like, like 2020 and half of tw- this first three quarters of 2021 felt like five ever. So yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, but going off what you said, on the two-year anniversary, so last year, on March 25th, uh, 2020, 
I guess when everyone was home and had nothing else to do, they had all seen Solo. And when the anniversary came out, there was this massive hashtag uh, that went viral on Twitter about remake or making Solo 2. So that's, yeah. I knew what you were talking about when you mentioned it because May 25th, 2020, everyone was going nuts on that two-year anniversary. Well, I guarantee I tweeted it out. Yeah. So they've said nothing. So who knows? But people want it, or at least a, a loud majority on the internet. I would so. like to see at this point a Disney Plus series, maybe, if they don't want to do a full movie. I mean, they've got the Lando series. I think that's still happening. So maybe they mm-hmm. could just have Han pop in, you know, and and be a guest star on it. I'd be perfectly happy if they did that. Well, we're going to talk about the cast here in a moment. It's a but, great uh, cast. <laughs> Alden Ehrenreich, or Ehrenreich, is that what you're saying? His I have name? no idea. He's not doing anything, so yeah. <laughs> I could totally be in it. Um, so the consensus, basically, this is the, from Rotten Tomatoes, this is the consis, consis, consensus review Got it. summed up into a couple sentences. A flawed yet fun and fast-paced space adventure. Solo, a Star Wars story, should satisfy newcomers to the saga as well as longtime fans who check their expectations at the theater door. I think that sums it up pretty well. I, I don't like the little of... dig at the end there. I feel personally insulted. I brought my expectations <laughs> in and they were joyously met. But uh, no, I, I, I get what they're saying. It's, it's still worth seeing. It, it's, not a, it's not a masterpiece, but it's still worth watching, especially if you are a fan of Star Wars and these characters and this universe, because you will get, you know, some enjoyment out of it, seeing Chewbacca again, or, or Han as a young man, or how he met Lando, or how he got the Falcon. I mean, just seeing those moments as a fan of even just the original trilogy can be exciting. Oh, yeah, for sure. The biggest thing for me that this movie did is stopped any announcements of new Star Wars story movies, because we haven't had any announcements for new star wars stories movie and whether you liked solo or not um rogue one is one of the best star wars movies ever made yes so uh, i'd say they're doing pretty well they did pretty well in these star wars stories even if you think that solo is flawed well i don't i don't necessarily think they've stopped producing the they did they're not making the movies but they are making them into the series because i remember when obi-wan was supposed to be a Star Wars story movie. Star Wars story Boba movie, Fett yeah. was supposed to be a Star Wars story movie, and now they're getting their series, which, I mean, I'm fine with. I, I, you know, The Mandalorian, they've done such a great job I like job it better. With. Yeah. And I've said that on the podcast for Swaga, just in general. I like TV shows better because you get more. Yes. You're not watching a two-hour movie. You're watching a nine-episode, ten-episode series. And even if they're just 40 minute episodes, you're getting more from that than you would from a movie. Yeah. So whether or not it's it's all cut and dry in a row, I like it better. In well, and for all the talk of, you know, movies being big budget summer action flicks, you go watch an episode of The Mandalorian and there's plenty of action, plenty of special effects, plenty of character development. I mean, yeah, I don't need to go see a two and a half hour movie. I can watch a 40-minute episode of a TV show every week and be more than happy because I had to do it from the comfort of my own home. Yes, exactly. This is totally off topic, and I'm really good at that, but i got to ask you, and I think I know your answer, but I want 
you to say it so that people know I'm not the only person that feels this way. Releasing television shows all at once or on a weekly basis, where do you stand? Weekly basis. Thank you. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah. I, I just find it, and this is, honestly, this is why me and you get along, well, we've known each other a long time, but... We, uh, we, this is why we get along because we both love weekly TV. <laughs> well, remember back. Well, we both like a lot of the same things. But I was going to bring up Lost. Heck yeah. Lost is the one that did it with the weekly thing because Lost every week ended on a cliffhanger, and then you got to talk about it with everyone for a week before you got the next episode. We would sit there for like thirty minutes after the episode ended and talk about whatever it was because we'd be so dumbfounded. Plus, I'm sorry, I don't have time to binge watch anything. Like, I even when I start to rewatch a series that I've seen before, it's it's an episode or two a day. I'm not like four hours watching a series. So I'm, I appreciate them not releasing all of The Mandalorian at once because the internet the way it is, you'd have to watch it all the first day or it would be spoiled for you. So I even yeah, even yeah. if you yeah I, I, even if you can't watch the episode the day it releases it's usually getting spoiled online getting spoiled yeah <laughs> and if you're on Twitter as much as me you're, you're avoiding that type of stuff yes because all the people I follow are the people that enjoy the same things as me right <laughs> so I remember I stopped tweeting about television when I think it was Gotham I put something on Facebook about the season finale of Gotham one time and you got very mad because I spoiled it. So now yeah, I just, I, now I I just don't tweet or anything about it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that was good times. Um, yeah, so anyways, we were talking about how Star Wars stories kind of moved into uh, television mode, the way that they've released uh, the who are these new shows are going to be out with Cassian, Ahsoka, Boba. Oh, I forgot Cassian, um, yeah. Lando. So there's a yeah. lot of Star Wars series. Star Wars story esque stuff Sorry. going on. What if Han showed up so, in the Cassian series? That'd be pretty cool. I'd watch Cassian and Han do do some shit together. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I I'm really actually I am a lot of people haven't really expressed much excitement for the Cassian series, but I always found it interesting. We're so off topic on Solo, but anyways, I always found it interesting that. He was a, such a big part of the Rebel Spy Network before that movie. And the fact that this, this movie is going to go into that as a series it just sounds awesome to me. Yeah. Kind of like a James Bond-esque. That's uh, actually how I've seen it described is like a James Bond, Jason Bourne type thriller. I also like the thing about Cassian is that he's not a perfect hero. I mean, you see him, you know, no spoilers, but do something bad in the beginning of Rogue One when he gets introduced. And it's like he's he's... Not a, a, you know, pure white knight type of hero. He, he does what needs to be done for the rebellion. And, I mean, that's just the mm-hmm. way it is sometimes. So I always like that about his character. So I'm excited to see Absolutely. them dip into it more. Plus K2SO. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, K2. Love K2. All right, back to Solo. Uh, back to the reception. One of the biggest things after the movie came out was all the praise that Donald Glover was getting for Lando Calrissian. To the point... The people were saying that his performance outshone Ehrenreich as the title character of the movie. And I can't say that that's not completely true because Orlando was, or Donald Glover was really good in that movie. But I'm kind of on the, uh, I'm kind of, we'll talk, there's another point a little bit down here about Billy D. Williams' uh, skepticism of the Lando character portrayed in the movie. 
And I'm kind of on his boat with it, but Donald Glover did exactly what he needed to do to, to just be perfect for the roles. So. Yes, I, I think Donald Glover did a fantastic job being Lando, and I think it fleshed out Lando's backstory a bit more than, you know, the original trilogy did. I can't agree with him stealing, like, the spotlight, though, because, honestly, he wasn't in the movie that much. He wasn't in it yeah. a ton. Like, so... You know, he does a great job when he's on screen, but he's not on screen nearly as much as uh, Alden is his name. I forget. Yeah, Alden is. Yeah, Alden. And I thought Alden, I mean, I thought he did a fantastic job being a young Harrison Ford um, because the character itself is is not the same Han that we know from the original trilogy. You know, he's a younger guy, so he, he still has those mannerisms and the sarcastic banter and things like that, but he's also... <laughs> a little more uh, bright-eyed, but... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love Donald Glover as Lando, but this stole the spotlight? Nah, I can't agree with that. Uh, movie was criticized for being too safe with no curveballs to plot being... to the plot being added, like, in The Last Jedi and Rogue One. Yeah, thank God, because those curveballs sucked. <laughs> I know, yes. Sorry. Very I'll stop complaining about The Last Jedi, I promise. <laughs> It's okay. Me and Wink have come around full circle on The Last Jedi in the past five years, so that would be an interesting interesting discussion between those that and between me and you on that, but another time. Yes. Um, Ron Howard said that the original Han Solo, actor Harrison Ford, who usually doesn't speak about Star Wars in general, so this is why Ron Howard's saying it, said that Harrison Ford saw the film twice and spoke very positively about it and Aaron Reich's or Alden's performance. So even the original Han uh, gave his approval for grumpy old Alden's. man. Harrison Ford actually gave a compliment <laughs> guy who doesn't really care about Star Wars that much. Uh, took the time to watch the movie twice and praise the guy playing his character. So Do you think by watching the movie cool. twice, he watched both of the versions? Why else Could would he imagine? watch it twice? He's like, I can't talk about the first time I watched it, but the second time. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I was just Let's, popped in my head. I'm like, why else would he have watched it twice? <laughs> yes. Uh, Big Deal says no curveballs. They killed Woody. Yeah. I mean, the end, the end scenes where the all the double crossing happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of it because I, I do agree. I think they really could have kept. Beckett alive and and he could have been such a great character in more stories um right but yeah billy d williams the original lando was more critical of the film unlike what ron howard said on harrison ford was but he said the fo the movie focused too much on lando's role or he felt the movie focused too much of lando's role in the movie being about his relationship to l337 and her death instead of the bigger picture of the character and all the grand adventures he's had. Um, and at the same time, he praised Donald Glover's performance as young Lando calling him brilliant. So it was interesting that Lando, you know, we have all these crazy backstories about where to get all these capes, you know, how he got the <laughs> Millennium Falcon. Just the, He seems like a guy with a lot of stories, and he was, because he had plenty of them to tell. Um, but most of the his parts in the movie were just about him and L337. So that I get Billy D's point. Um 
But the movie was two hours and 15 minutes. To try to shoehorn even more Lando story into there would have just made the movie even longer, um, which is probably why exactly why we're getting a Lando series. Now, I don't think it's been announced whether Donald Glover is playing Lando or Lando's yeah. Billy D is playing Lando. But if I had to guess, I would think it would be Donald Glover or at least a new person playing Lando and not Billy D. Well, if you remember the end of Rise of Skywalker, they kind of teased Billy D going on an adventure and helping, um, I don't remember her name, find like her family or, or something. So, I mean, I could see them doing a post-Rise of Skywalker series. Um, plus, I feel like Donald Glover's probably, there you go. Uh, what's her name? Jaina? Jana. Jana. Um, yeah. I, I, Here's the two I have right next to each other. Is it? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that could be the series right there, but just uh, Billy yeah. D with some gray hairs. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like Donald Glover might be tougher to get just because, uh, I mean, he's so like such a big name at this point as a rapper and everything. Um, I'd love to see it as Donald Glover. I think, like you said, there's so many stories about Lando's past, his adventures, all that, that they could dive into. I mean, I remember when he was in the cockpit and he's doing like his little, his own little podcast. He's talking about one of his adventures. Yes. So it's I have like, that written down. Yeah, so did I. The Calrissian Chronicles. Yeah, like that alone could be his like series. Um, but I get the, I don't know. I get the feeling that it's going to be the the post Rise of Skywalker um, Billy D adventures. Yeah. That would be interesting because they have not said or anything about anything planned after Rise of Skywalker movie. So if that were the case, they have like seven untitled unnamed movies planned and there's no information on any of them. It makes me very nervous. (laughs) As long as one, as long as one of the trilogies is high Republic, I will be happy. I hope so. (laughs) I love high Republic. So good. All right. Anyways, uh, last thing. It was nominated for Teen Choice Awards, Visual Effects Society Awards, Academy Awards, Saturn Awards, and Grammys. Most of those most of those besides the Teen Choice Awards being for special effects. The Teen Choice Awards, uh, Alden Ehrenreich and uh, Donald Glover were nominated for Best Summer Movie Actor and uh, then also Special Effects during the Teen Choice Awards, so... Who won? They were nominated for a lot of awards, but did not win any. Who beat them for best summer movie actor? Do you know? Actually, I doesn't say that I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna where look. I got the uh, gonna, where I got that. So I'm curious. I'm gonna look that up. Just look up Teen Choice Summer Actor 2018. That should get you it. Because summer movie actor Chris Pratt, Jurassic World. Hey, I'm not surprised. That is a kids movie and a half. Yeah, sure. that What's I mean, that is a, that is a pretty great was. movie. So I accept not that. surprising. <laughs> Drew's made a comment that you'll like. Oh, my chat. God, Drew. <laughs> yes, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's his favorite series. So <laughs> Such a, I'm, I mean, I know it's not canonical anymore, Dan, but you really should try and read those. You would love them. They Here's are. The thing. They've been making lots of legend stuff canon, so you, it could, it's not like it could never become canon. One day. <laughs> so, um, going through the cast real quick before we start getting into our notes. Um, because that's another thing about this movie. It has a really good cast. Amazing right? cast. I had forgotten this. how good this cast was, and then I started watching it. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, Paul wait Bellamy? A minute. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Dryden Voss, the main bad guy for the movie, uh, Paul Bettany. I had completely forget that forgot that Vision was part of Star Wars, and there he was. So, yeah. and he did an awesome job. I, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, going through the cast, like you said, Dryden Voss. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't, uh, he has the same last name as Quinlan Voss from Close Wars, but when I looked it up, apparently there's no relationship. I thought that was interesting. Been, I thought that would be cool. I, right? Well, there's so many. Yeah, that would have been interesting. They're weird that not a lot of repeat names that aren't related in Star Wars, but I guess there's one. Yeah. So now if that's ever a trivia question for you, you'll know. Yes. Um, Infus Nest, Aaron Kellyman. I remember watching this movie, and once you found out that who Infus Nest was, really loving uh, the actress that played Nest. She's super cool. She's got a... a I don't know how to say this without it. I don't know. It, maybe it sounds weird. She's got a very unique look, right? She's redheaded. She's covered in freckles. I think it's super cool. I think yeah. she's she's got a very unique look, and I'm surprised it doesn't get her more. Um, well, and I think in this movie, she does a great job of being like a grizzled leader of the the marauders or rebels or, or whatever they end up being um despite looking very young but she still mm-hmm. acts you know she does a great job and then as it yeah as, as Vazi says she did well in winter soldier i mean winter soldier she played like a kind of crazy vengeful but not necessarily evil i, I, I again she like, literally she, played almost the same character Almost, yes, almost. A little more in so- evil. In, in Solo, <laughs> she was portrayed as evil, and then you found out she was good. Yes. In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, she was trying to do good, but but doing it by doing evil. Yes. So very similar type of tropes there for the two roles, but both of them done very well. Yeah, she did a fantastic job in both, and I, I didn't look up to see if she's been in anything else, but I don't I recognize did. her from anything else. There was else. nothing of note, at least for stuff that I've seen. So Yeah, that's crazy. Besides Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I would love to see her in more things, because I really like the actress. And even when the parts where she's just completely normal and not a Star Wars uh, character or, you know, a super soldier with just just the dialogues and talking... She's a very good actress. It's not like she's forcing it, and it's just a look with her. So Yeah. I don't know. Uh, L337 is played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I could not find any other film I recognize for this character's voice. Um, so I, I have never seen these shows, but she was in um, Fleabag. She was the main character in the TV show Fleabag. And then she is in Killing Eve. Which are two very big shows, I think, on Showtime. I've watched Killing Eve, but I've okay. never, I don't remember seeing her in it. That's I don't know who she plays. Maybe it's just because I don't. It. She doesn't look like a robot in Killing Eve. Right? No, she is not. She is not a droid <laughs> in Killing Eve. It's not a Star Wars yeah. show. <laughs> she's not. She's not L337 in that. Anyways, L337. They once again in another Star Wars movie. They found a way to make a droid unique. Um, I'm not sure that I was super cool with the uh, the sexual aspect. <laughs> of uh, L337, but the droid rights was interesting. Yes, that and was I love awesome. the. That's what made that's what made L337 for me. Also, the scene where she's cutting open the fence and she's like 
don't look at me. I can't do it when you're looking at me. And then and I can, she's like, I can feel like, you looking at me. <laughs> the legs spread wide, stare, like the stance, like she's peeing on the fence. I, I see you looking at me. I can feel you looking at me. Yeah, I. you know what's funny? This is the thought I had, because I, I hadn't seen this since the theater. When I remember her kind of like droid revolution storyline and, and all that. And I, I thought there was a moment when they talked about her like artificial intelligence, like gaining sentience, but there wasn't. So it kind of made me wonder, like, why haven't more droids gained this kind of self-awareness in the Star Wars universe and like wanted to rebel? But I don't know, that just thought popped in my head. I thought that was like that. I thought they had like a dialogue about that, but there wasn't anything in the movie I remember. Yeah, I don't remember exactly because these droids, once they got there, I mean, R2-D2... That's a good point. A, I, I bet R2-D2, you know, if we knew what he was saying, he, he's probably got some choice words. So <laughs> I, I would like to choose to believe that all the, half of those beeps are curse word bleeps. <laughs> he's just like a drunken sailor. <laughs> he's seen some shit, man. He's been through a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, next up, very big character in the movie, Tobias Beckett. Woody Harrelson. Amazing. How can you not like Woody? I listed off just four characters that I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Carnage, Hamish Abernathy from The uh, Hunger Games, Tallahassee from Zombieland, Woody Boyd from Cheers, and that's just four of the many, many movies and television shows he's been in. I, I loved him in True Detective. Like, there's so many Kingpin? good... Wasn't they, wasn't Kingpin? That, yeah, Kingpin. Yeah. There are so many good Woody Harrelson roles. Um, super... Awesome. We were really excited when I saw that he was cast in this movie just because it's Woody Harrelson, right? He was he was so good in this movie too. Like he he went from a range of emotions to from losing like his his girlfriend partner uh, to like mentoring Han and hating Han and then, you know, by the end of the movie, you know, developed a a big um, you know, a relationship with Han and yeah, it was just he was he was such a like a huge part of I think turning Han into who he who he is that we see in the original mm-hmm. trilogy that I I so wish that they would have kept him alive. Like I remember when when towards the end of the movie, and again we're jumping ahead, but whatever, when he like walks off and says like, hey, find me on Tatooine. I remember the first time I saw that thinking like, oh man, that's gonna be the second one. Like that's gonna Han's be the next gonna movie. Han's gonna go to Tatooine and hook up with Beckett again. And uh, of course that didn't happen. So even if well we'll get into that. Anyways <laughs> I'm with you. Well, I want to talk about that as one of the last things. But um, next up, you had Val, which is I, I I'm going to butcher her name. Thandawi Newton. Then I don't. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I can't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Thandaway is would be what I would think it says. Thandaway Newton. She was awesome. John Favreau as Rio. So you had the two other parts of Beckett's uh, crew. Before uh, Chewie and um, Han joined with Val and Rio. And John Favreau, I completely forgot until I looked up the cast that he did the voice of Rio. I thought I recognized that voice. And then when then when I looked it up and it was John Favreau, I'm like, how did I not recognize John Favreau's voice? Mm-hmm. And then the best part. So I'm like, was this the first time John Favreau was credited in Star Wars before he did The Mandalorian? And I looked it up, and it's not. He's actually the voice of Pre Vizsla, um, 
from 2010 to 2013 in the Clone Wars. So super interesting that the Clone or Mandalorian, which brought in the dark at the beginning or the end of season one, he played the character that held the dark the dark the first time you saw it in Star Wars. So very interesting that he played a Mandalorian in 2010 before he ever was picked to direct the Mandalorian TV show. Just goes to show you how great John Favreau is at making things I love. <laughs> he's, he's a, he makes a lot of Marvel movies. He, he makes great. Star Wars movies. He's my hero. He was an elf. <laughs> just, just throw that out, dude. There. Vazi, that's where I know her from. Thank you. I, I don't know why I didn't look this up or if I just missed it, but uh, the actress that played Val uh, Newton. She was in Westworld. Mm, I've not seen Westworld. Very, very good in that show. Very good. I knew she was really familiar. So, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, Next up, you have Kira, Amelia Clark. Big surprise. Great, great job from her. But the biggest thing about her casting, she was cast for this movie to hype it up at the height of the Game of Thrones stardom. So like she, they were towards the end. I think they were in like season seven or eight when she was announced. Everyone was just kind of waiting for the end of that show to come around, but everyone was in I love. Think seven was the end when they hated it, so it had to be in season six. Did okay. you think Kira did a good job? Because honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't think she think... did a good job at the beginning. I think she got better towards the end of the movie. The beginning of the movie, I couldn't even tell it was her. I just feel like she was, she didn't, I mean, maybe it was the character design that she doesn't show a lot of emotion besides in the beginning with Han. And like after that moment, like when they meet up again, she's just kind of deadpan the entire time. I I don't know. I, I, I wasn't a fan of the way that she portrayed the character or maybe I'm just not a fan of the character. Either one. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I think either one of those would be valid. I would have liked to have seen her be more evil at the end, like with her murdering Voss and like taking over like if that would have been her plan all along and she you know mm-hmm. that, then that was kind of her reveal that she was just playing Han but for her to constantly be like I love Han I don't want to have to do this but I have to do this well you don't really have to it's the universe you could always go somewhere else like I don't know I just I felt like there it was a lot of uh, there was more that could have been done with that storyline at least with her character and, and betraying Han and all that but again maybe that would have been explored more in the sequels that we didn't get right um don't have to talk too much about them because we kind of already have but that's lando calrissian and donald glover major draw not only as a big part of community's success the tv show community but also as the rapper childish gambino so if you've never heard if you have never watched community watch it it's hilarious um but childish gambino if you're into rap is also very good Yep, I agree. Um, I have never watched uh, Community all the way through, but I've seen episodes here and there, and, and so good. He such uh, a funny show. I, I I thought the way like if you watch Community, like Donald Glover is very funny, but then I thought in Solo, like he did a really good job of being like this egotistical, suave kind of guy, and and capturing like a side of Lando that I mean, you see like him hit flirting with Leia. But you don't get to mm-hmm. see all of like his flash as much as you do in this one. 
Um, mm-hmm. But you, you know, it, I, yeah, I thought I thought you did a great job. Absolutely, Drizzy, what's up? Thank you for the bits, my friend. Good to see you. Um, as well, Chewbacca, played by Junus Suatamo. Uh, this name, pretty much any Star Wars or what do they call it? D twenty. D23 is the Disney one. Yeah. What's the Star Wars? Star Wars Celebration. Always there. Always there as Chewbacca. He played Chewbacca in Han Solo. He played Chewbacca in Last Jedi. He played Chewbacca in Rise of Resist, or Rise of Skywalker. So a lot of, uh, a lot of Chewbacca for him. Three out of the 11 movies. He did a great job, He too. wasn't even in all the movies, so there you go. Yeah, he's good. I like the guy. And just the actor in general watching his interviews really cool guy yeah i mean honestly like if you watch scenes of chewbacca in any of the star wars movies you can't tell the difference like that's how good of the job the guy did of capturing like mannerisms and all i know it's a big costume but still he did a great job um and then finally we get to han solo alden ehrenreich um criminally underrated only acting credit since solo is as John the Savage in a show called Brave New World in 2020, which was a Peacock original with a 46% critic review, but an 80% audience review. And I normally myself go for audience reviews because most of the time when critics don't like something, I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> not surprised. Interesting. I don't have Peacock, um, so I can't really watch the show, and I'm not interested in buying the streaming show just to watch Alden and see how he's do- he did in that show. I heard it's coming back for a second season, so he is doing something, and it was started in 2020s, which is only two years after Solo, more like a year and a half since the movie was in the middle of the year. So he's got something going on. It's not like he's not doing anything, but he's not been in any other movies in that time, so interesting where that bombing, quote-unquote bombing of Solo effect, excuse me, affected him for that year and a half until he finally got his spot in that uh, new TV show. But overall, and I think that we'll talk about the ins and outs of what happened during the movie, I really liked him. Like, there's so many different little uh, quips and phrases he says between the interactions with him and Chewbacca, the interactions between him and Lando, uh, him and Beckett. There's just, there's little, you might, all the time in the movie, you might not, feel completely immersed that he's Han Solo. But in my opinion, there 80% of the movie is easily seen just by the the mannerisms, uh, the delivery on some of the the lines he says, uh, the facial expressions that go with them. It's just, I I thought he did amazing. I know that a lot I of thought people don't, but I do. Immediately in the beginning of the movie, when he was talking about, you know, what happened during the deal... The way he was describing it and, like, trying to, like, weasel his way out of it, that was perfect Han Solo. Like, I was immersed immediately. Like, and then, like you said, the the interactions with him and Chewie, oh. him and Lando. like This just, is a thermal detonator. Yeah. Yeah. And then you... You just made a clicking sound with your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, even just when he's like, yeah, they, they showed up and, and you know, now, now what are we going to do about it? And he's trying to, like... It reminds me of the scene in Force Awakens when he's like trying to talk his way out of that deal when they they show up on the yeah. freighter. That's I mean that was the Han Solo sm- like smooth talking type of, of smug guy. I I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, and then there was so a we came lot away of, with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
I came out alive. I think that's something. Right. Yeah. Like that right there. I thought, I mean, he did such a good job. And then of course him and Chewie. Yeah. They were fantastic. The barbs back and forth. Um, I wrote some of them down, but yeah, it it was, I thought he did such a great job. Like I'm really surprised there wasn't more praise coming out of the movie for him. But again, because it just wasn't seen by very many people, um, there probably wasn't a lot of, uh, of like attention that got put on him. Right. Yep, I'm with you on that. We can talk about his acting and the parts of the movie here in a second, but I want to get up. There's a few notable uh, castings that aren't necessarily main characters, but I thought they were worth mentioning. Uh, Warwick Davis in the movie is a character named Weasel, or Weasel, one of uh, Infus Nest's marauders. In, it, easily to point, easy to point out in the movie um, when you see him. Um, which puts him in a seven of 11 of the Star Wars movies after. It's pretty impressive. Uh, so yeah, pretty good. I did, I did find it funny cause I was like, wait a minute. He was in rise of Skywalker. And then I realized at the end when they were showing all the planets, they showed wicket on indoor celebrating. <laughs> so pretty interesting. Um, Rala Keeley, uh, was played by Clint Howard, Ron Howard's younger brother. So you can imagine that he wasn't in the uh, the Miller, Lord Miller uh, cut. <laughs> but Lord Miller. <laughs> he played the character whose face was grabbed by L-337 at the droid fighting pit. So that was pretty funny. He had some makeup on too because, I mean, he, he wasn't human. He was playing an alien. <laughs> yeah, and it, he had a, it looked like a pug basically he did uh anthony daniels also known as c-3po was in the movie playing a miner in the kessel uh kessel spice mines which is awesome because 3po and r2d2 do not show up in this movie so at least mm-hmm. they got anthony daniels in the movie somehow exactly which, which much like warwick davis puts anthony daniels high up on that number of movies he's been in all of them was it everyone? 3PO's been in every movie. He was even in Rogue One at the end. I was trying to think. Oh, yes, yeah, he was in Rogue One yeah. at the end. That's right. Um, and finally, other notable castings. Maul, one of the big reveals at the end of the movie. Amazing. Darth Maul, robot leg Darth Maul, leader of the Crimson Dawn. Um, played by two characters. Sam Witwer played the voice. And Ray Parks, the original Maul, actor stuntman of Maul in Phantom Menace, played... The, uh, the look, while Sam Witwer, the Clone Warriors series voice of Maul, as well as Palpatine and a couple other, various other Clone Wars characters, was the voice of Maul. So, interesting there. The question would be, for me, if he does show up in a live-action thing in the future, whether Ray Park's going to play him and lip-sync for Sam Witwer again? For full scenes, or Vozzy Bear actually go? put that in the chat. Uh, I guess Ray Park said he would definitely be up to doing it again. So, I I made mention that if he's going to show up, the Obi Wan series I think makes the most sense. A live action mm-hmm. version of their final fight would be amazing. I was about to say I have not seen Rebels, as we said. It's one of the things we're going to get to on Chosen Ones, but I do know that uh, Maul fights Obi Wan on a planet that we all think that this show is going to be taking place on. So yeah, of course it definitely gonna be taking know. place on. I think that would be the best way for him to pop back up. Um, 
Which is a shame because I remember when he showed up in Solo. Uh, I saw it with my parents because my mom loves Star Wars just as much as I do. And she leans to me and says, how do I know that guy? And I just laughed because I'm thinking to myself like, okay, at least she recognizes him. How many people out there saw that movie and saw Darth Maul and were just like, who's that supposed to be? Like, I have no idea. Or the ones that are like, I thought he was dead because they've never seen Clone Wars or even read up on it or anything. And it's just such a missed moment. Like that reveal could have been such a huge moment if the movie had been better received. Because it would have caused so many more people to go watch Clone Wars to find out, like, wait a minute, how the hell did he survive? That is definitely one of those situations where, and they try to get away from this in a lot of movies and things, where the deep lore that only, you know, 50% of your fan base are going to get excited about, that's what makes it tough, right? But the Mandalorian's been doing that with the Darksaber and... and, um... Bo-Katan like they've they've introduced the characters but they've been pulling from the deeper lore and I think they, they've been doing it in a great way right a day it's working in Mandalorian yep. whereas I think the fact that so many people were not wanting to see Solo after the last Jedi and it's just kind of bombed in the in the box office it's just one of those things where just the fact because I remember when I saw it when I first saw it happen I was like, holy crap, this is huge. Yeah. Like, this is, it's not only in the Clone Wars cartoon now, it's actually in the live action. It was amazing. The way he pulls so, the lightsaber off the screen. Yeah. That was, it, was, it was such a, a different great... lightsaber than yes. the ones you've seen from him. It's yeah. still double bladed, but it's got a guard on it now, like a half, kind of looked like the Crimson, Dawn, like half the Crimson Dawn's logo is now on his, the hilt of his lightsaber. So. Yeah, super cool. Awesome reveal. Uh, underrated because of the fact that not a lot of people saw it. So yeah. That's the way I would describe the entire movie. It's just underrated. It's a shame. <laughs> underrated because not a lot of people saw it, at no. least not when it came out. You know, it's funny. We were talking earlier about reception, and I was. I really wish there was a way to look up Disney Plus stats just, just to see the number of people that have watched Solo since disney plus came out yeah that would be really cool with the movies because i don't know does disney plus so netflix does ratings on their app for tv shows and stuff i'm curious does disney do ratings on their their shows not that i'm aware of because that would be interesting to see what their rating was you know i'm gonna log into my disney plus on on uh yeah take my a computer look. here and see if there's any ratings on there now, i gotta ask you speaking of and this is gonna be off topic but you're doing something anyways the netflix ratings where they tell you what's number one in the u.s i remember we watched that movie um with jake gyllenhaal because it was supposed to be number one in the u.s and it was dumb and i personally just think that they just put stuff at the top of the queue and say it's number one in the u.s because they made it and they want you to watch it it. just came out yeah please watch this yeah the hell was that movie called guilty or the guilty or something stupid yeah, something like that very bad movie if you're if you're listening to the show don't go watch it it's it's i actually warned somebody not to watch it i was i was getting my hair cut and the girl was talking about what you know oh i saw the guilty on netflix i was gonna watch it and i, I was like no i threw myself don't in front you of her dare. to save <laughs> her from it yeah yep nothing on here about ratings so yeah i don't I, I would be curious to see it, it'd be fun if they did release something like that but 
I don't know, you know, companies want to safeguard as much data as they possibly can. I don't know why that would be important data, but, you know. Well, let's say you wanted to watch something and then the rating was low. Well, but I'd like to just see how many people have watched it. Like if they oh, were just at like, least the, the yeah, if they numbers. were just like, oh, sure you know, this there's month. There's got to be a website out there that has. I don't know how they would get that data, but yeah, I would just love to see like, in the, you know, in 2020, the most watched Star Wars movie on Disney Plus was, or like, you know, just where yeah. does Solo rank? Give me a top five. Yeah. That'd be neat. But anyways. Are we... All right, so let's get into our notes. I need a, I don't know what the, got, the typical podcast protocol is, but I need another drink. So do you mind if I... All right, well, go get them. All right, good. I'll be go right back. Go get some. I'll mention this. For everyone here that's a Swaga player, still wish that Dryden Voss and Tobias Beckett were in the game. Two characters that uh, just doesn't make sense that they're not in the game. Especially when you got L. Well, I mean, L337 was Lando's uh, partner there, but the fact Tobias isn't in there, the fact that Dryden Voss isn't in the game, I don't think we'll ever get them added. But it's just unfortunate that back when the movie was coming out that those characters weren't added. That's a guy, oh, are you talking about Swugga? Because I, I haven't played yeah. in a while. What characters from Solo are in Swugga? I've heard you talk about Enfys Nest, and I remember when Enfys Han Nest and Chewie. still really good. They've got young Han Solo, you've got Vandor Chewbacca, you've got uh, young Lando Calrissian, you've got L337, and you've got Enfys Nest, and you've got Kira. So L337, but no Tobias Beckett? Yes. And Kira, but no Tobias Beckett. <laughs> yes. That's No Tobias Beckett, no Dryden Voss. Did Woody Harrelson not want his image used in the game is my only thought. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, for the, I, we thought for the longest time that Mark Hamill didn't want his picture in the game. That's why there was no Star, no uh, Luke's, but that changed. So, actually, it was Han Solo, because before we got uh, the lead, the raid Han, I don't think there was any other Han Solos. There was Stormtrooper Han. Oh, Stormtrooper Han. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm talking about. You never knew. You never. Farm knew. Boy Luke was in there. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, we're gonna <laughs> let's talk about these notes we've uh, all right taken for the show, and I think you and I, the first note we have is exactly the same. Did you write down why is there no opening crawl? Yeah. Why was there, was no there an opening slideshow instead? That was the weirdest yeah, thing. It could have been a crawl. And what this was, Rogue One had a crawl, didn't it? I this believe was the first so. Movie without a crawl. Mm-hmm. No. I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure Rogue One had a crawl. And it's funny. I saw somebody online when I was reading about the movie. They said that the opening mimics Blade Runner, which I guess Harrison Ford was in. I don't know why that has why that would have anything to do with this movie. Um, yeah. I think it was just a way for Ron Howard to say, I'm different and I'm not going, you know, the same amount of information before, before the movie starts, but I'm not going to do a crawl, which, yeah. There wasn't that, a crawl in Rogue One? There was no crawl. Okay. Maybe it wasn't just a... So maybe it's a Star Wars story thing. I knew one of the Star Wars stories was the first one without a crawl. So maybe it's just a... Star Wars story thing. I guess. But even still, why didn't either of them? This one it? could have clearly used a crawl. They were giving this... us information that we needed. Yes, 100%. Especially this movie with the amount of stuff that was in it. Yeah. So, I... I don't know. Anyways, but yes, I, I, I had that. I wrote down 
the great Harrison Ford impression. That was my my first impression of Alden was just how good he was at mimicking Han Solo. Um, and I thought that continued throughout the entire movie. Um, the very beginning of the movie, you see his dice. Yes. And the dice play a, a lot of thing. dice in this movie. Big, <laughs> big uh, thing in the movie between handing them to Kira and getting them back from Kira to give luck. A lot of shots of the dice just hanging. Just hanging, yes. Which is probably why they sell the dice in... Uh... I thought that was interesting because I remember in the original trilogy, the dice are there and they only really became a thing because Chewie hits his head on them at one point. And I remember that <laughs> Easter egg of like, ah, you can see the dice. But then like in The Last Jedi and this movie, like Han's dice became like this like mythical object that like every yeah. oh got to show it and you know hand it around and they're good luck and i i mean I, it's kind of a neat thing to add but it just feels like it was added after the character had been around for so long that it felt weird yeah it w- last jedi was the one where they got handed right yeah luke gives leia the dice even though he's mm-hmm. technically not on the planet let's talk about yeah. that <laughs> yeah that's, that's i hate the I hate move the fast <laughs> um so that that these dice showed up in solo six months after that right yep. so you just had about in a span of six months you had a lot of dices moving around probably because ryan johnson told ron howard hey i'm making the dice a big plot point so make them a big plot point in your so, movie uh, so <laughs> make them a big thing for han so yeah. that it means even more for last jedi on second watch right? exactly whatever um yeah anyways i also liked i talked about the cinematography earlier the shot of of alden in the driver's seat in the speeder when he's driving and the camera's just focused on him and not the action around him i thought that was kind of a neat shot as he's like driving away in the stolen speeder oh at the beginning when he steals it yeah at the beginning there was a lot of close-ups at the beginning of that. When he sparks it up, and then when he's, he's driving away in it. Yeah. You don't really see where he is or where he's coming from. You just know that he stole it. So. Yeah. The It, 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 it did something, because basically, when he tried, started to go get away, you knew he had a stolen speeder, but you didn't know what it looked like until the uh, getaway. It's right, because you really only see the shot of him and the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it gave you it, kind of made you anticipate what the thing was going to look like. No, and I think it's definitely looked better than Luke's <laughs> <laughs> from a new hope. That pink thing he's flying around in. Um, I we already talked about the thermal detonator part. I thought that was freaking hilarious. I loved, I, and I loved like the the way um, uh, Lady Proxima is just like, yeah, that, that's a rock. And you made the clicking noise with your mouth. <laughs> like that was just, just that little bit of humor feels to me more like the, the Lord Miller version, like that line of dialogue. I'm like, that feels like a holdover from the, the Lego movie guys. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was just me, but I loved it. That was, yeah, that was, that's the type of comedy that I was looking for. Yeah. I do have to say this though about Lady Proxima, because I wrote it down and it, it bugged the shit out of me. What species of alien is she that she's a worm that lives in water? Vampire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she's a worm that lives in water, but there's another one of her species walking around in a suit of armor. Like, is it the male-female difference in that species? Like, I don't know. That 
that was one of those like that just kind of like stuck in my brain like what what a weird approximation of an alien well they live in water can't be in sunlight it's a worm but this one's not a worm i don't know it was it was all over the place to me that that was <laughs> off topic but just i wrote it down because it was it was and about, like a brain itch. Ever, <laughs> I don't think we ever. I don't remember ever seeing that species before either. I mean, it's Star Wars. You can make up whatever alien you want, but it was just such a weird combination yeah. of like traits. I don't know. That was just me. <laughs> um, I also wrote down Corellia. I remember reading about Corellia a lot in books and like hearing a lot about it. I thought they did a great job bringing Corellia to life. It really did look Dude. like. I also I have the same thing. I the spaceport look. Yeah, the it was whole, fantastic. The whole the whole chase through it, the way they made it look like, a the spaceport looked like, a industrial spaceport. Yes. That sometimes has other things flying in and out of there, but just the fact they made it look like this planet was full of slums, and the spaceport was the one thing, or the uh, the shipyards because you know they make Corellian Corvettes and YT Corellian all those Corellian ships there. Right. But that's pretty much the planet, right? Those are the main things for that planet. So the, for them to make that thing look so industrial, uh, very busy because the entire fight, the entire chase scene, they're avoiding people that are all working. You know, they got yeah. their checkpoints. They got all that kind of stuff. That droid getting um, run over the checkpoint did make me laugh. Hey, you can't come through <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, Detroit. I, I Drew again, says yeah. it's Detroit. It's just, he's dead on. I've been to Detroit. That was exactly what it was like. There was a vampire worm and everything. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that again, Ron Howard, the, the cinematography, great job. I thought it that that is exactly how I, I thought Corellia looked all the times like you picture it in your head. Right. The, uh, the other thing is uh, uh, Empire TSA is the worst. <laughs> dude we complain about our tsa did you see how many stormtroopers they had separating families <laughs> yeah. beating people up there were yeah, like 50 kinda... stormtroopers for that one spaceport the manpower the empire must have is ridiculous <laughs> for real i do want to get real quick we the the speeder getting stuck between the two buildings i thought again was that had a a Lego movie I can touch. Do this. Yeah, that that had a Lego movie touch of like, oh, it'll fit, and then right at the end, it dies. Like I, I, I laughed at that. That was good. But I liked, and I and liked it was, the. It was very fitting of Han just uh, assuming more than he could deliver. Yes. Yeah. What so. the, what what scene am I thinking of from Empire Strikes Back where he like says something's gonna work? I think it's when they're in the asteroid field and he gets hit by an asteroid or something. But I don't know. Anyways, um. Back to the spaceport. I do think that they did a good job of making just a like a real spaceport. Like one of the things Star Wars always does is like everything's about the Force and Jedi and these big moments. But this was just two people trying to sneak off a planet in a regular spaceport. You've got the Empire recruiting station. You got people waiting in lines. Like I, I wanna, it was so realistic. <laughs> something very important happens in that spaceport, and I want to talk about it. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the realism because that goes into the next scene. And this was a big thing I remember people talking about when the movie Rogue One, for, for sure, but even more so, I feel like, in Solo. Regular war. Empire yes. versus planets that are, oppose the Empire. Yes. The scenes where Han is, in the, is a member of the Empire and fighting Fantastic. in that war 
that looks like an actual war. People getting blown up. He's like, well, what did what did your lieutenant say? He told us to run that way before he got blown up, blew up yes. himself. <laughs> yeah. What was? What did you was tell like... him? We're gonna get blown up. What did he say about that? He told me to go right before he got blown up or blown up. Yeah. Like that was that. I I agree. That was. You don't see a lot of the, especially the ground combat in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And from a, a grunt perspective, that is ex- like, yeah, exactly. It's just Han and a blaster. Um, I did also write down, that is the first time I can remember seeing Imperial Troopers that are not in any type of Stormtrooper gear, uh, mm. which I found a little weird. I'm sure it was just to show off Han's face, but he could have taken yeah, his Stormtrooper helmet off. <laughs> they all kind of looked like Veers. Yeah, in their they were all they were all wearing no armor whatsoever. Like they've yeah. made sand troopers, snow troopers, like all these different type of stormtroopers with different armor. But for this movie, uh, yeah, mud trooper. Thank you, Vazi. They could have made a mud trooper armor, and I would have loved it. Instead, they just said wear this hat and some heavy leather and <laughs> and a heavy leather coat. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because that's how Han knew that. Beckett wasn't in the Empire because he had armor on that had blast blasted. holes in it. Yes. I, I did yeah. love that moment, too, when uh, Beckett asked, like, who's your commanding officer? And he says, well, technically you are captain because Beckett was wearing a captain's armor. I thought that captain's... was a good little And Val little and Rio start laughing at him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, tell us what to do, captain. Yeah, that was so that great. Was... So going back to the airport real quick because it's a major Star Wars lore plot point. The Han Solo name... When he's signing up for yes. the Empire. So he's, they ask him for his name when he signed up for the Empire. He says his name is Han. And when they ask him who does he associate with, who his people were, he didn't have anything to say. So he had a dad. We know that. His dad got fired from working on at the Corellia shipyards. Did his dad not have a last name? I think it implies more that with his family either gone or disowning him. I mean, we never get the answer to that. Um, that he's abandoned, like, his connection to them, so he's abandoned their last name. Hmm. You know... And I know there's a lot of Han Solo comics and and tie-in stuff that I have not dove into as far as the new Disney canon. I know in in Legends canon, Solo is actually his last name. Um, But in this canon, like, I know they've made a bunch of different comics, and I'm sure there's other novels, so I don't know if we ever find out more about Han's family. No. It's, it's, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I like it. I don't, I think that was one of the major things that I didn't like about the movie. How he got his name. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just like, "Uh, that sounds, that seems super campy. I, I, yeah, I agree. I think it was one of those manufactured moments where they tried to make like this, big thing like oh and this is how han got his name but they could have just had him been named han solo and i don't think it would have removed anything from the movie no Um, i do like the idea of him joining the the imperials because again that was part of legends i'll say that was in legends wasn't it? yeah so i like that they did that because it just shows you that at that moment han didn't care about either side he just wanted to get off Off the planet become a pilot like he did what was best for him regardless of who he was fighting for Mm-hmm. And quickly realized that was a terrible mistake. Yes. Uh, here's a side note that I didn't know this when I watched the movie, but I, I saw it later. The planet that they're fighting on, the mud planet, 
I'm gonna I forget the name exactly, but I think it's called Mamban. It was the planet that the sequel to A New Hope, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, was originally going to take place on when they were originally writing A New Hope 2. And then the Splinter of a Mind's Eye ended up becoming a novel. Um, so just kind of a, a fun fact that it, once again, they reuse something from Legends something. In, in current canon. Uh, I love, it's it's got to be so nice as a writer for Star Wars to have so much lore that's either canon or not currently canon to pull yeah. from. 25 years of books that have already been written that you can just be like, I'm going to use all this. I'm going to take this and <laughs> yeah. use it. People are going to be all excited because blank, blank named writer that everyone loved, his, his idea is being used again. Yeah, like uh, like uh, Han and Leia having a son that turns to the dark side. Oh, that was already in Legends. So <laughs> Sounds creative. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> he was named Another thing ben I wrote Solo, down. Though, was, right? What's that? He was named Ben Solo in Legends. No, right? he was uh, Jason Solo. Ben is actually what Luke named his son, which I thought was way more fitting anyways. <laughs> um, I also wrote down one thing. I think seeing Han as like a lovesick teenager that loses his love of his life it explains a little bit, at least in my eyes, of why he's so jaded later on as an adult. Like, you know, he just, he was a kid that was, had a plan of, of running away with the love of his life and it didn't work out. And then he goes and fights for the Empire for three years and he, uh, he just gets a lot of rough edges and, and kind of hates everything for a while until Leia melts his icy heart. It's, so, I, I, I hate skipping around, but. Well, that's the next part of where we're at. We are on the mud planet. Yes. So I was going to talk about Chewbacca and his yes. relationship. I after. have a note for Chewie, so go ahead. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is this is how the, the next biggest thing is how did he meet Chewbacca? I actually like this more so than the, uh, than the naming thing. Um, the fact that he's basically he gets thrown for desertion by... Captain Beckett reported him to this lieutenant that he just talked back to earlier. So the guy was ready to just throw him to the wolves. Um, so anyways, they're trying to get rid of Han for desertion and they throw him in this pit with this beast. And I remember the first time watching it, I'm like, what's going to be in here? It's too small to be a ring. Really? So. I knew immediately it was going to be Chewy. I knew they, once I saw it. When they said I no beast, I was like, oh, it's Chewy. Like that's as soon as they said beast, I knew it was going to be Chewie. Well, you were right because <laughs> that is how he meets Chewie, thrown into a, thrown into a pit, basically for sport for two, uh, two storm tro- or imperial troopers who were standing on top of the door to the pit. I don't think it was the door. I just think it was the. Oh, it was just like a window. A metal grate window. Either way, not a good idea to stand on top of it. Like stand off to the side and watch. Let's be honest. I don't know. Maybe I'm paranoid because when I walk down the streets of New York, I don't walk on the subway grates just out of fear (laughs) of falling to my death. So. Um, I think we've learned throughout the history of Star Wars that stormtroopers aren't always the brightest people. (laughs) Very true. Um, No offense to any stormtroopers out there, but. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, Sorry, Jerry. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Um, Um, I will. I will. I just want to add this real quick that. According to the stormtroopers that Chewie had not been fed in like weeks, they have mm-hmm. been feeding Chewie people. And I assume that he Chewie said three ate days. three days. So, okay. Chewie ate some people. 
I mean, that yeah. that's the impression. Like, that's what I take out of that is that Chewie was eating people while Let's in that cage. Let's not gloss over the fact that Chewie's been eating Yeah, people. like, and I mean, you know, I'm fine with it. He's a Wookiee. He's got to survive. But, like, they just kind of, you know, implied that Chewie ate people and kind of glossed over it. I thought that was kind of a pretty big <laughs> characteristic. I didn't, th- I didn't even think about that until you said <laughs> Kind yeah. of gross, to be honest. Yeah, um, like... <laughs> is it... But is it any less weird if he ate an alien species or, or, than a human because we are humans? I think it's weirder to us, but overall, no, it wouldn't be weird. Yeah. Because like, they could have thrown a bunch of Rodeans down there. Yeah. Or, you know, and I probably wouldn't bat an eilish, but if they were humans, it's kind of like, oh, Just the Chewbacca. image of Chewbacca, you know, everybody's favorite Wookiee just sitting there gnawing on someone's arm. I don't know. That's an... I don't think it's going to move a lot of merchandise for Disney. So it was interesting that they implied that. Drew said people, porgs, anything that start with P. I'm, porgs look delicious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would eat a porg. Like just straight up. They look amazing. When Chewy cooks that one, it looks like a Cornish game hen. I wanted to dig in. Kentucky, Kentucky fried porg. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Yeah. So that is how we met Chewbacca. I thought it was really awesome how... Right before he's about to be murdered, he starts pumping out uh, Wookie. speaking Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, and that Chewbacca's was... Chewbacca's just kind of like... I love the what? subtitles, too, that were like broken English. Yeah, it was listen, like Han, like... dumb Wookiee. Yeah. Like, me have plan. Like, me have plan. Yeah. <laughs> Get us escape. That was such a great little ad of like Han can barely speak Wookiee, so this is what it sounds like to Chewie. So Chewie all the time. Yeah. Chewie probably thinks Han's the biggest idiot on the planet. That's probably why he I loves hope. him so much. He's like, it's out of like this is my sorry special needs partner. <laughs> yes, this is my special friend Han. He can barely speak. <laughs> yeah. Oh That's, man. Uh, I, yeah, that was like, I love that way that they met. I, I mean, in. Well, not to mention when they get, they finally break the thing and get out. <laughs> going and Han's like, follow me. My friends are over here. And he starts running the one direction. Chewbacca just runs his own direction. And the second the chain between their feet reaches its maximum distance, Han <laughs> just goes flying. <laughs> I I love the, uh, the. Them trying to escape being chained to each other. It was freaking Yes, hilarious. that was fantastic when they ran off in different directions. She was just dragging him. From up underneath <laughs> yeah. him, he fl- goes flying. That was great. Just more proof. Well, I mean, more proof along with the fight in that pit of just how strong Chewbacca is. Because when he was throwing around Han like a rag doll. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, because when they talk about Wookiees in the original trilogy, they imply how strong they are, but you don't see a lot of Chewie manhandling people. Like, he shoots stormtroopers oh, and stuff, but in this the, movie, he was just destroying people. Like, we'll get to only, Kessel later, but he just, oh, I mean, yes, he just wrecked are. people in Kessel. <laughs> he and his friends. That, yes. That, 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 that Wookiee that was bigger than Chewbacca... <laughs> Pile drive that dude's <laughs> just head. He had to have neck. smashed him. His whole head had to implode the way he threw him on the ground. Yeah. Then he actually oh. ripped a guy's arms off in the elevator. Uh, anyway, we're getting ahead of it because that was a great moment. But, um, okay, so the shower scene with Han and Chewie, loved that. That was... <laughs> we couldn't just do this separately. See, the, a moment like that is, ex- like, again, that's that feels more like Christopher Miller and Phil Lord or... or Lord Miller, I don't remember their first names exactly, but that felt like that kind of moment. 
but it also just shows like Han and Chewie from the very beginning were just very tight. They bought like they they got along. They bonded. Like they just had bonded. a connection. That's yeah. what showering with someone will do to you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say I speak from experience, but I have showered <laughs> with eighty other men before. <laughs> That's kind of where I was going. Yes. Don't we, pretend we like you have. have it. Yeah, we both have. <laughs> If you that's want to they, know that's, why, that's how they build, build teamwork in the Navy. <laughs> they just throw yes. you in a shower together and just, get along. You know what? This is how we'll get them to comply. Just gonna, all, all, these, get all these Navy stereotypes, people are just going to be just going to be keep going. The Navy stereotype. It's not. What I, like. I am willing to venture <laughs> that every boot camp for every, um, <laughs> yeah, armed forces that way. Yeah, of course they are. No one's getting a private shower in boot camp. Just like Han and Chewie didn't get a private shower. Which, speaking of which, I also wrote this down. Why did that ship have a shower? It was a cargo ship. <laughs> well, I mean, it did have a uh, compartment. Oh, that's that. That's I was thinking of. Was not thinking the, the not the Falcon. Falcon. No, this was the cargo moving. Yeah, ship. the that cargo mover had a shower that was big enough for a Wookiee and a grown man. <laughs> Maybe it was just a hose. <laughs> It was just, they were just rinsing off cargo. They just put cargo. a hose up and then they just kind of stood under it. Which I don't know, but that's better. just another Can one I of those use the hose alone? weird things that popped into my mind as I'm watching it. I'm like, why does this ship even have a shower? So they escape when the, in the, uh, they escape with Beckett, uh, Val and Rio off of the, pl- the mud planet. And then they're kind of going, they kind of go to another planet and start planning their next plan for their trying to get a empire shipment of coaxium coaxium um but i Coax one cables. of the things i thought was awesome was val talking to beckett about their team with i know exactly uh, what you're gonna say <laughs> yeah so they're talking about their team adding chewbacca and han when val's like we could have got some pros like the zam sisters or bosk and i'm like yes Hello, name drops. Bosk shout out. Yes. And the Zam sisters? I know Zam Wessel. Who's the other one? I don't know. Maybe she's... Maybe she's and is Zam the last name? Because... Well, might be one of those cultures that has like the surname first or the family That's what I'm first. thinking. Yeah. And I never thought of it that. that but... I'm going to Google Sam, Sam Wessel's sister while you keep talking just to say. <laughs> yeah, so that... I thought that was interesting. Um... Yeah, I, I wrote down. Much. I wrote that. Oh, down too. the other thing I remember from them sitting there talking was that they were talking about what they were going to do with their money, and obviously Han was talking about going back to Karelia to find um, to find Kira. Kira. But I thought it was interesting the Chewbacca's aspirations for his money. Yes, and basically he's like, I want the money so that I can go find my. Basically, the other Wookies that were enslaved, right? So they could free them. And what, now, what says, is the word they used? Tribe or family? Yeah, right? Han says, like, and I don't understand the word he used, but I think it's tribe or family. And then uh, Tobias, which I think this just kind of lends credence to the, or kind of puts more emphasis on the fact that he turns his back in the, later on in the movie on Han. But he said, "What's the difference?" You know, whether well, I also I thought that was a great kind of foreshadowing of the choice Chewie makes on Kessel. Of oh yeah, when it's choosing to go with Han, then the Wookiees he chose right. 
And it just goes to show that your tri- like your family, uh, and I forget, I was just watching another show where they're talking about this, the family you're born into and the family you choose. And I think that was just their way of kind of showing you like Chewie's going to choose Han as his family rather than his actual like species family. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I thought that that moment to me kind of, um, I remembered it later on when they were on Kessel when Chewie was making they, that choice. Um, the blaster, Han's blaster. I've always loved Han's blaster. I have a toy replica from when I was a child. I loved seeing him, how he got it. Um, kind of a neat moment getting it from Beckett because again, Beckett's kind of like his mentor. Um, yeah. and I, again, I would have liked to see more of and Beckett. And fasting, fast forwarding. So we don't forget to mention it. Killing him with it. <laughs> Yes. Spoilers. Yes. But <laughs> killing him with a home blaster he gave him. No. Just, that's cold-blooded, man. We can talk about how he did it when we get there. But yes. He did kill him with the blaster that he gave him. Yes. So I just always liked ha- the design of Han's blaster. I, you know, just one of those things I remember from the, the original. It was It was unique. And that was, like, what made Han kind of unique was, like, he's the only one with that kind of gun. So seeing that blaster for me was a cool moment of, like, Hey, this is how he gets it type thing. Um, and then the train scene. I didn't write down much of this scene. I just, I, I love the entire thing. I thought from start to finish, the action of it, the character development. Um, I mean, when I they, got... they lose the, the two members of the crew that you just met 10 minutes ago, but you actually like it's emotional <laughs> moments. Um, yeah. I only wrote down two things about that whole train heist. Because the whole train heist was awesome. It's hard yes. to put it into words and talk about individual parts, but there were two things I wrote. And to go on with what you said, one of the two things I wrote was that Val and Rio were gone too soon. Yes. Just met them, didn't get much of them besides the mud planet but and you them still having heart cared. to heart. But yes, like, you did. Yes. Because, because things Rio said basically, you know, about him not caring not having to have a person and then when oh and he's dying talking about well they were right you don't want to die alone and then yeah. you're like just like oh no rio's dying alone or val who is tobias's kira basically right. dying and watching, sacrificing herself sacrificing herself even yes by the way her destroying those uh those gunner droids three three out of the four of them by herself just spinning around that post was, was awesome. Yeah. That was yeah, um, that was really like and that's just like they they did such a good job fleshing those characters out in such a short amount of time and then just to kill them off it was like man, what a waste. Like again, I would have watched an entire movie of Han being on that crew and then maybe kill those characters off in the second one. There they there's so much more they could have done with this movie that it was disappointing. But yeah, going back to the train scene, the action in it, a lot of the stuff, I will say one of the moments when Han pulls Chewie oh, out of yeah. uh, the way of the rock, a lot of stuff I read online where people were talking about like, well, you know, Han saving Chewie from slavery in Legends is what made Chewie have a life debt for Han. That's why Chewie, you know, was was bound to Han. And now in this movie, there was no moment. And I'm like, well, technically there was. Han saves his life right then. But I think it also establishes, like, yeah, Chewie's not bound to be with Han. He's chosen to be with Han. 
And honestly, I like that better. I, I don't like the idea of Chewie being like, well, you saved my life years ago, so I'm going to be by your side forever. It's more like, hey, man, we're a good team. Like, let's stick together and, like, work together because we get along so well. Like, I don't know. I've, well, I prefer that story. Yeah, I prefer the, I could choose to be with my own people, which is what I've always wanted. Yeah. Or I've met you, I care about you, and I choose to stay with you. Basically. Exactly. But for those it people that want more. Chewie to be forced to stay with Han, well, Han saved his life on the train, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... You can look at it either way. Then, yeah. Um, yeah, we get the range troopers with the Air Force One boots. Those range troopers <laughs> with the uh, those, magnetic boots. Dude, those were fantastic. The boots with the fur, as they say. Yes. Why did they have fur on them? Was it because it was a winter planet and they wanted to apply? It was cold. Like <laughs> they had their peacoats on. We with all their know boots it was cold. The There's snow everywhere. <laughs> you um, need a soundboard and you need to play boots with the fur right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the unfortunately winks the soundboard guy where is that guy yeah he's busy probably holding the bottle right now like <laughs> good old daddy wink there you um, go the the other thing i had written down besides the two being gone too soon was just how badass infus nest was jumping off her speeder onto the train with her freaking I want to call it a vibro staff. I don't know what it was. Was it not the exact same thing the the executioner uses in The Last Jedi? It looked almost exactly like that. Well, the thing the executioner had like pops open and then has like an arc in it. Yeah. Hers was actually a blade with arcs that on the lights blade. Up. Okay. Yeah. It was. It looked ex- it kind of like the same thing to me. I thought that. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, She's. But she. Yeah. She. That fight ass. against Tobias yeah. on that was so freaking cool. And you notice that, you know, it it, it explains, you, you get to know why later when you meet Enfys Ness and learn more about her, but, like, she cuts Tobias's gun in half. She could have just killed him. She could have just, yeah, sliced yeah, him in like half? like, she could have just killed him. Instead, she just disarms him because she doesn't necessarily want to kill him. She just wants the coax. And, like, I think and that was, a again, a little foreshadowing, like, you know, she's, she's not an evil marauder. Like, that's who who Beckett thinks she is, but that's They're not all making who she her out to be is. in the trailers and everything else, which is yes. why people talking about no plot twists in this movie. Did was Infus Nest not Darth a plot Maul twist? shows up and that's not a plot twist. Plot, Darth Maul shows up. Not yeah. a plot twist. <laughs> Infus Nest build as the bad guy throughout all the trailers and build up to the movie ends up being a good guy. Like, yeah, there's just plenty of, Plot twists in this movie. People just so, want plot twists like The Last Jedi, where Ray's like parents Sixth are Sense. nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I see dead people. I see dead people. Um, yeah. The coax Those... explosion at the end, when they drop the coax and it blows up the mountain in like a black hole type thing, I thought was awesome. It By reminded way, me of... I didn't... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick. It reminded me of a game that I used to play on PlayStation 2... Um, Oh God, I forget what it was. Red something, but it, it takes place on Mars and you could destroy the environment. And there was a grenade and you could throw a grenade and make holes in mountains. And I just remember <laughs> doing that. So when I saw Dude. that explode and make a giant hole in the mountain, I'm like, Oh, that's, I used to do that. What was that <laughs> like early nineties PC game where you had tanks that you try? It was like the original version of worms. 
but it was just tanks. Oh my god, worms. Yes. I don't remember, but now worms. Yeah, the exact same thing. You same blow thing up the environment. You blow up the environment, <laughs> yes. and then now there's a mountain with a giant holes in it. Yes. A hole in it. That is exactly what I thought of when I saw that. But, hey, but what when you I say? saw it, you know what it reminded me of? Especially, think of all of the, not all of the, the Millennium Falcon ride at Disneyland and Disney World. Yes. This stealing the coaxium, which is yep. exactly what happens on the Millennium Falcon ride. You are hitting things. Bad things happen if you don't steer the ship right. The It's almost like that ride took a lot of notes from this movie. Yeah. To be updated well, to And I believe time. this movie came out in May 2018. Didn't Galaxy uh, open up in like summer 2018? So when they were designing this ride, they were probably making the movie as well. When did Galaxy's Edge open? May 31st, 2019. So one year or 2019. later. 2019. Okay. So yeah. So they might have taken some things from this movie for the um, the uh, Millennium Falcon ride. Smuggler's Run. God, I miss Disneyland. By, by the way, do you know there's a Chewy mode on Smuggler's Run? I have heard that. Yes. There's like, and there's like. If the four people in the ship. If the. Four of the people in the ship do certain things before the ride starts. There's a harder version of the Millennium Falcon ride. Where Chewie like yells at you, I think. Yes. Yes. I'm I've like, heard that. I got to figure out how to do this. And we need it. to bring two more Star Wars fans with us because your wife's never going to do it. Um, <laughs> She's going to be like, go... which button? Like, yeah. I don't even... yeah. <laughs> so I don't we need to go there. You and told we need... me right before we got in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to plan this out because I, I definitely want to try that. Yeah. It's something I should at least do once, right? Heck yeah. But uh, let's see, where do I go next? So, the, okay, the next thing is um, they go to uh, Voss's uh, yacht. And the first thing that I noticed was he's got the singer because if you're in Star Wars and, and you're having you a party, you have to have live entertainment. That seems to be a rule. The singer has something in her mouth. And it looks like... It's supposed to be like an amplifier or a microphone or something. Mm-hmm. But then she also has a microphone right in front of her. <laughs> so again, it's just something that stood out to me. Or maybe I was she's confused. a smoker. And that but was it wasn't, the, uh, I mean, it wasn't like this. It was like literally I she's got, it was like was self-contained scuba gear in her mouth and then also a microphone. I don't know. I Once again, it was one of those things where I'm like, what is the functional purpose of that? Keep going. I will be right back. Okay. Um, uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, that is when we are introduced to Paul Bellamy as Dryden Voss. Uh, he, I thought, did a fantastic job in this movie. Doesn't get a lot of screen time, unfortunately. But he plays a, a character that goes from very relaxed and, and seemingly friendly to extremely visceral and upset and murdery. Um, and he did, I thought he did such a great job with that range and, and the quick switches because when in this part, when he's sitting down and he's talking to, to Beckett and Han and Chewie about, you know, why they don't have the coax, he kind of plays the, the slow, like, you know, well, I don't understand what went wrong and what am I supposed to do about this? And then, uh, obviously, you know, playing like the gangster role, he's like, well, if there's nothing you guys can do, then I'm just going to kill you type thing. Um, and Paul Bellamy, at least to me, is is not that type of uh, Coke user. Yes, Drew, exactly. Um, 
he is not that type of character in most things I've seen him in. Granted, most of the things I've seen him in is, is vision. Um, but when he, when he plays those, those higher emotions and the, the anger and, and the murdery side of it, um, he does a really good job in my opinion. Um, so that was pretty awesome. So they're at this party. I wrote this down too. So basically they're, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but they're at the party and Han and Chewie are kind of walking around while, while Beckett goes to see Voss and Chewie, literally has two drinks in his hands at one moment, which I thought was fantastic because once again, we're learning a lot about Chewie in this movie. He well, eats he may- people and he also double fist drinks. No, no he, <laughs> this is the part that made me laugh in that part. He had two drinks because he got one for Han. And the moment he is that saw, what it was? The moment he saw <laughs> that Kira, he was with Kira and they both had drinks. He looked at them and shrugged his shoulders and then just, Drank both of them. See, I thought Chewie was just a baller. I, I <laughs> thought he was just like, I'm I'm freshly out of a cage. I'm just going to drink. Uh, <laughs> so, but either way, I thought that that's pretty awesome. Vaz, that's no, a good he point. Just looked, I he have looked, seen The Da Vinci Code, and he did a very good job being a villain in The Da Vinci Code, too. By the way, I got to uh, correct you before you keep saying it, and we get comments on is it. Is it Bettany? It's Bettany. Who's Paul yeah. Bellamy? Why is that stuck in my head? That's that's a person <laughs> somewhere. But Bettany. Thank you. Paul Bettany. Um but yes, I was just talking about he did a he did a great job of just being like that. I love the character of the calm psychopath when it's like he can be normal, but then at a flip of a switch, just straight up murders people. And Paul Be- uh, Bettany, uh, I almost said Bellamy again. Uh, By the way, he did I looked up job. Paul Bellamy on IMDb. Uh, Bellamy is an actor known for Amity in 2006, and In Search of the Great Beast 666 in 2007. And those are his only credits. Clearly, that's who I'm thinking of. Yes, yeah, so that's your guy. <laughs> I, just, I just watched In Search of the Great Beast 6666. Yeah, that's so, my favorite you know. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, yeah, but no, Paul Bettany, yes, thank you. Um, and then again, just more of the Han and Chewie moments in in the, like during the party. Um, and then- the other thing for that's huge for this is the Crimson Dawn was a thing, and you knew you've known it from other th- works, but yes. this is where you first are introduced to the Crimson Dawn in this movie, and you're like once oh, again them pulling sh- from the you know deep lore type thing mm-hmm. for people that you know have just seen Solo that don't really know, and that you get the people that you know know more about Star Wars they can appreciate. Crimson Dawn and Black Sun later on at the end. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. You're pulling all these names of groups that I knew existed, didn't ever expect to see in the movies, so. Yeah. And then, of course, Kira shows up, um, which I... I liked the moment. I, I remember when I first watched it, I did not see that coming, so that was kind of a nice surprise that she just showed up on this guy's ship. It's, um, it saved, well, technically by the end, it doesn't really, but it saved him a lot of work trying to get back to Corellia, especially since he right. wasn't about to get the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was never going back to Corellia, but um, no, I thought, I thought that was kind of, but again, it, it's, I don't know, just by her, the way, her, it was never mentioned to Beckett. Did he just assume, or did he never know that Kira was the one he was going back to Corellia for? Uh, I'm a, I, I have to assume that, that Beckett figured, Beckett, that out. Like, figured it out. Yeah. Cause it was never because said. Once like, he, spoken, well, like, cause once he spoke, well, cause once he talked to Kira, like, he never mentioned going back to Corellia. So I'm guessing Beckett probably figured out like, Oh, you don't seem to care about Corellia anymore. 
<laughs> Still want that ship, though. Yeah, exactly. And there was all the talk about, like, Kira, like, what she's, oh, she's done terrible things, you know, and Han, you know, Han would never understand all that stuff. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, what, what could she have done, you know, to that Han, like, Han kills people. So I don't, I don't think he's going to judge Kira for that. So I don't know. Well, that, who that's had just he killed at that point? Uh, he, had, a... he, was a, he was a soldier for three years. I guarantee he had shot people. There's no well, way he, he would have gotten through not yeah, shooting anyone. <laughs> being in war, despite being part of the Empire, shooting someone in war is a little different than having them kneel down in front of you and killing them in cold blood. True, but just the overall point. I got you. I, got you. I don't know. That was one of the things, like, I wish, I, I was just curious what they, what the writers were thinking when they were like, well, Kira's done such horrible things um, that... You know, Han would never forgive her for it. And it's like, I don't know, Han seems to really love her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Han and Chewie, there were some moments I remember like, you know, uh at the at the party. It was again just the little things that they did throughout the movie between Han and Chewie that um I, I thought they captured the magic of like Harrison Ford and Chewbacca from the original trilogy. You know, one liners and just the mannerisms and stuff. Um so good so good i don't have anything else for for the yacht uh yeah scenes I, unless you do the very next thing i have was uh kira introducing lando my the next very... thing i wrote down literally was um donald fucking glover because <laughs> that dude when they when you just walk up to the sabak table and he's just sitting there like talking everyone's around him like he's the the he's like the, a, yeah, the biggest the celebrity in the yeah. uh, building Telling the way all his he's stories. dressed, the way he's talking, Donald Glover just captured it so perfectly. You all, the uh, I will say this: the costume Billy D wore in Star Wars, that the cape with the blue shirt, very iconic, right? Yes. But the yellow shirt with the cape, almost as iconic for the same character for Lando's version. Now he wore Billy D wore a yellow shirt. Was that in Return of a Jedi? Didn't he wear a yellow shirt at one point? Um, I don't remember. I could have sworn I saw. I remember Billy D, um, wearing a yellow shirt. Vazi, yes. So there is a crystal skull in Dryden Voss's like room on the yacht, which which I I do remember reading that Easter egg. I didn't even catch it while watching the movie. Um, but kind of a neat little nod to to Harrison Ford. Lando wore yellow in Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, that's what it was. Yep. Okay. I do remember him seeing him in a yellow shirt. But... Which is probably a nod to the yellow he wore in Solo. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But uh, yeah, Donald Glover, his, uh, um, his costume, his mannerisms, you know, great job. Great job capturing the Lando Calrissian kind of uh, swagger not to mention building the building the tension between Han and him immediately before he even meets him with Kira swooning over him yes yes I love that scene where Han was getting jealous she kept talking they, about that, all the different awesome that, yeah. things about him and he's just like yeah okay well, you know yeah that was a, and that's a great like because that rivalry between Han and Lando obviously continues all the way up to Leia. So yeah, that was a great little, great little moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see and I, oh, and when Donald Glover calls him Han instead of Han, 
Oh, I, I, that I entire love, rest of the movie, him yes. calling him Han. Love that. Yeah. And I don't know if Billy D did that in Empire on purpose, or that's just the way he says Han. <laughs> but to have Donald Glover do it as a way to annoy him, and then to think that Lando called him Han Forever. for like 30 years, <laughs> that's just so great. <laughs> um, I also wrote here, because when Lando meets Tobias Beckett... He knew who Tobias Beckett was from one thing. Because he killed... Ora Singh. I don't Singh. know the name. Ora Singh, yes. He, she said, he said, you're the one that killed Ora Singh. And he said, I don't know if you'd say I killed her, but I did push her off a cliff. Yeah, the fall killed her. The fall it. killed her. <laughs> yes, another another name pull. Another from bounty hunter. Yes. Pulled out of the uh, the names. So, Which is funny because you've got at least... That, that completes the circle of bounty hunters that mentored uh, Boba Fett. Because you talked about Bosk when you talked about the Zayam sisters. And then you talk about Aura Singh. And Bosk and Aura Singh were the two main ones for young Boba in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I thought you said trio. Sorry. Um, there was a, the third one, but I don't remember who the third one was in Clone Wars. It's been a while. But yes, I sure I, again, I just like the... Bosk. You know, throwing the names out there because it just shows the appreciation for the people, like for the fans that dive into deep everything. Lore, yeah, it shows an appreciation for them to be like, movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I like when they, I like when they do that. It's like, hey, for you people that have watched the Clone Wars, like you'll recognize some of these names. Like that's that's kind of a nice way for it to be like, okay, they appreciate us watching all this stuff. And they, I. You know what's funny is I when people use the word fan service, it makes me angry. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fan. Please service yeah. me. Yeah, Wait, exactly. That doesn't sound. That doesn't. Sound no, right. by all means, Disney service me. <laughs> Please, Disney <laughs> service me. No, I agree, and that's why Rise of Skywalker. It gets such a critical. I mean, we went over the reviews earlier. Critics hated it because it was fan service, but mm-hmm. fans loved it because we're the ones spending money. Yeah, like this movie was I don't not, care what critics think. This movie was made for Star Wars fans. Anyone yeah. that's not a Star Wars fan going to see this movie would probably still enjoy it, but miss twenty percent of the references. So what you're saying more. is, when a director says he he wants to make a Star Wars movie that's not a Star Wars movie, it's probably a bad idea. Probably. Yeah, The Last Jedi sucks. Ryan Johnson said that. Again, I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. <laughs> it's Zan Sisters, not Zam Sisters, Drew says. Is that true? I didn't have captions on. Neither did I. <laughs> and I just heard Zam Sisters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google that real so now, quick. Who are the Zam Sisters? That's the real question. Just some random people. Um, um, Wikipedia. That's the best place. Yeah, they were mentioned in a Star Wars story, and then that was, it seems like the first time they were mentioned. Huh. But then they they were, um, they appeared in Age of Rebellion, Boba Fett. So I guess they appeared in some comics after that. See, that's the, so. new, that's the newest comic that I've been meaning to Oh, they're to in read. the cantina in A New Hope. Oh, interesting. Were they much. named love, in A New Hope? Because love, Wikipedia says they were first mentioned in Solo. I love chat. Yeah. I'm always helping out. <laughs> um, um, I got other, off time. Oh, um, L3. So when we're introduced to L3. There you go. Um, Next thing I have written is L337 is awesome. Yes. I loved 
just her rant about robot fighting made me laugh. Fight and your programming. Straight- you don't have yeah. to do this. When she straight up palms the guy's face, that was pretty great too. You mean uh, Clint Howard? <laughs> yes, Clint Howard's face. She's yeah. like, you need to get out of here right now. You're not going to tell me what to do. It just reminds me of when we're introduced to K2SO and he's just this giant foreboding robot. And L3 is more like this outspoken vocal. Like it, they, they introduce the characters in like 30 seconds and you already know like what this character is about. They're, I, I like they're a whole... And she's not small either. She is super Mm-mm. tall. Massive yeah. droid. So She reminded she looked like um what's the um it's not it's not even a Star Wars droid, but her head reminded me of um a uh, Roomba? Batteries not included, I think is the name oh. of the movie. Yes. There's like these the tiny little floating the robots. burgers. Yeah, the little burgers. Yes. That that's what her head reminded me of. Um yeah. Yeah, that's off topic, but <laughs> I love that movie. By the way, dude, when that's such a, a great movie. I watched it as a kid uh, all the time. That and Short Circuit, two of my favorite yeah, Johnny movies. Five. <laughs> this locals yeah. kick your butt. This locals kick your face. Oh man! And then um, seeing the Falcon, uh, that was a great moment. And I loved that you see the Falcon. There's a difference between Lando's Falcon and Han's Falcon. Lando's Falcon. Paint job, paint job. Escape every pod. panel's on there. Got yeah. the escape pod. All still. the lights. Every- the cockpit looks brighter. Everything's illuminated and everything. And then later in the movie, after the Kessel Run, it's it's already beat up. But then um, when we we see the Falcon when Han has it in in the original trilogy and later, it's like he doesn't put the same love and care into it. That le- yes, like my favorite, Lando, one of my favorite put- Lego sets. Lando, Lando put the money Lando's to have that thing Falcon. painted. Yeah. Painted. Han didn't still give a shit about paint. Still has the dish on it. Yes. Still has the top gun. Has the freaking escape pod. Escape, yes. Han didn't care about the paint. He just he just wanted the thing to fly and be fast. So it just shows you Lando's about the style and Han's more about the substance. Yeah, because it never looked the same after the Kessel Run. Yeah, it was beat to shit. That Kessel Run with that <laughs> gravity black hole destroyed the Millennium Falcon. Yes. And and Han could have had work done on it. He just chose not to. He he didn't want to, he didn't need to spend the money on the exterior of the ship. He what didn't he care. What he's saying a new hope. It it doesn't look like much, but it Yeah. Got it where it counts. That's yeah. all he cared about. Um, hollow chess. I love the callback to the hollow chess game between Beckett and Beckett Chewie. Beckett trying to tell, calm Absolutely down. loved Chewie trying to sweep holographic <laughs> figures off the chessboard. They're not going to go. <laughs> you can't get rid of them that way. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then I have, I have a rant about Lando's closet that I will get into. Um, <laughs> I will let you, if you have anything you want to discuss first. I don't have anything else until we get to uh, Kessel. Okay. Again, I I catch small things like this and they drive me nuts. But this one specifically drove me crazy. When they're in Lando's closet and Kira's looking at all the capes, she holds up the hangers. The hanger head is completely closed. Which I, that, that first caught my eye and I thought, well, how the hell does that work? Then they show a later, like, kind of, they pull back from the closet and you see the actual closet rods. 
And instead of having closet rods that go all the way across, they like break halfway. So you can hang clothes on the closet rod. Mm-hmm. But to get anything off, you would have to take off every single piece of clothing. Yeah. Whatever you hang on there first, anything you put in front of it, you would have to remove all of that to get the thing. That drove me crazy well, when I saw that. Because my, it's I one of those ex- moments I where they just want to make it you. sci-fi and it makes no practical sense. Um, But hangers that weren't full circles is a relatively new thing compared to Star Wars time. Because if you know, if you remember, Star Wars happened in a galaxy far, so, far away a So long they, time they mastered hyperspace travel, but they didn't master they not didn't having to take out, all your clothes off to get well, to the thing. The people of it Earth just, think about what, it out, right? Think about it. And if there's a shirt much that's right here and <laughs> all of the clothes here, you're going to have to take five or six things off to get to that shirt. I don't know. It just... It was the weirdest setup. Maybe he put them in in a ranking system. Maybe. If he made Maybe it to the last one, he's in big trouble. He hates that cape yes. that's all the way inside. <laughs> Again, I caught that and I, I had to make a note of it because it, it, it drove me you. crazy. <laughs> uh, I also had a note, the girl talk between L3 and Kira in the cockpit. I love that scene awkward. where L3 is trying to... Yes, so but L3 is trying to have like girl situation. talk. situation. Yeah. Like, and when she's like, what? oh, it's compatible. I'm like, that's very sexually suggestive for Disney. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, you, earlier when she cut through it the works. fence, <laughs> earlier when she cut through the fence, she was um, paranoid about people seeing something. Yeah. So Her, her saw. Her saw when it pops out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like that scene between the two of them. Um, yeah. And then when they get to Kessel, um, the first thing I have, Lando's Return of the Jedi disguise. Beckett's yes. wearing it. That's the next note Loved I have. that. Beckett Loved wearing Lando's it. bounty on her costume. I don't know the I name love... of that costume, but... Yeah, I don't... I... The second he walked out in it, I'm like... I recognize Wait the mask. I have, yeah. I have the action figure somewhere. <laughs> so no. it's like, I love... And I just love the thought that like... That costume was either in Lando's, like, trunk of costumes and then just stayed in there for 20 years Imagine until Return of the Jedi. how many capes <laughs> he had to take off before right. he got that to That was costume. hung up on... That had to have been the first thing because yes. how often are you going to wear that? They're like, but like just the fact that all these capes to get to the... Yeah. The Han held on to that bounty hunter outfit and it just was like stashed in the Falcon until Lando needed it and Return of the Jedi. I love I love that. Nope. Such a cool little callback. I didn't put a lot of information into the actual fight on Kessel. I mean, we talked a little bit about it where L3 liberates the droids, which causes a commotion, which actually ends up being worse for them than if she had yes. not. Um... um I wrote down Chewie's rip, Chewie ripping the guy's arm off in the elevator. I love that moment because there's the <laughs> throwaway um, line in A New Hope when it's like a Wookiee's, you know, a, Wook, a droid's not known for ripping people's arms off when they lose. So yeah. Chewie rips the guy's arms off. And this Han's line, great. Han's line. That was the only uniform that would have fit me. <laughs> like that line, like those little lines. Which around, was hilarious, like, except for the part yes. when they got out of the elevator and he was wearing an outfit. But it was a little big, if you remember. It was a little big on him, so I thought that was kind of funny. The helmet was, like, huge. 
True. But again, th- that moment between Han and Chewie, it was like they did a great job, like with the dialogue and between Alden and Chewie of capturing the Han and Chewie uh, relationship. And then, yeah, we talked about Lando's podcast when he's sitting <laughs> the in the Falcon. Cal- Calrissian the Cal- Chronicles. Calrissian Chronicles, yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. The, uh, I, the other thing I've written here is, uh, and we kind of talked about it already, but Chewie seeing the Wookiees and Han being like, we have to do this. You know, we have to finish the mission. What are you doing? And then finally he realizes that Chewie's, all Chewie wants and all he said he wanted with the money was to free his, the other Wookiees. And then Han being like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Not even knowing if he'd ever see him again. Go do your thing. And it's giving fun. him the weapon, like when Han oh, clearly yeah. would also need it. Mm-hmm. I like such a that's such a nice little moment. And then yeah, like I hope I can see you around sometime. Um, obviously, we knew that they weren't. You know, they weren't. That wasn't split the up, but, end of yeah. Chewbacca. But. Uh, I just liked yeah. I just liked the the moment from Han. And then you know when Chewie shows up later to save him. Uh, another great moment. Um, and then again, we talked about the the Wookiees beating the shit out oh, of everybody. Oh, that's I mean, the next thing I just gonna, just Wookiees straight are, up like throwing guys five feet in the air. Literally, all that's <laughs> written here: Wookiees are badass. Yeah, they just Dude, destroyed everyone. <laughs> it was dark in that tunnel, so I couldn't. For a second, I couldn't. I thought it was Chewbacca, and then I realized that doesn't look like Chewbacca, and neither does that guy. And uh, it looked like Royal Rumble. When you started saying fur everywhere, just destroying yes. these uh, slavers. Oh, man. That yeah. that pile driver by that one sh- Wookiee was the most brutal thing I think I've ever seen. In he just went right on his head. Like, that, that guy up, definitely snapped his him, neck. And then just dropped yeah. him on his it, head. It, it reminds it me of, I don't know if you ever played Batman Arkham Asylum, but in that game, Batman just beats the crap out of a bunch of enemies and, like, does things to them that would kill them. And then it always says they're sleeping or unconscious or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's the same thing with the Wookiee. He, he just drops a guy on his head. He's not unconscious. Yeah. At best, he's paralyzed. He's not waking back up. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest here. Oh, yeah, um, those, those Wookiees, which, is, which speaks to the fact that Han, when he got there to get the coaxium himself, had to move, you know... Yeah, they say 12, 11 more. <laughs> yeah, 12 of these giant containers that the first one he moved was obviously really heavy for him. He finally gets them in, and then he's trying to push them to the ship himself. And here Uphill come the... in the tunnel. Yeah, and here come the Wookiees like, we got you. Push the whole thing all the way up to the ship. Then not only that, at that point, they don't know what they're doing after, after they've been free and they're out there, but they all start unloading them. Yeah, they're they're very helpful. They're very helpful. (laughs) He's taking all this coaxium into the ship before they'd come out and decide, hey, we're going to go do our thing now. I was confused why more of the Wookiees didn't just come with them. (laughs) Like, like the Wookiees, there's a ship that can take you off planet, but the Wookiees are all like, no, we're going to go over here off screen. Maybe they didn't believe in their ability to get out of there with unstable coaxium those Wookiees like with the starter sort of showed up and I hate to say this but those Wookiees probably went right back in chains (laughs) yeah yeah true the starter started so let's hope they got away that'd be a downer but then Chewie would would feel real bad (laughs) knowing that they made their choice not to get on the spaceship (laughs) yes Um, I also wrote down the scene and it was in the trailer it was a very famous scene in the trailer of Lando throwing Han the gun um that moment alone, I I would watch 
Donald Glover and Alden Ingrich in in a movie or trilogy of a movies buddy trilogy. those two characters. Yes, because the chemistry between the two of them I thought was fantastic. When when they needed it right then, they were perfectly in sync. They they you know Lando may hate him and and Han may you know not like Lando because he cheated him at cards and stuff, but. When the moment called for it, they were, they were in sync, and I I thought well Han like, ran again, out there into the gunfire to, to save Lando. to help Lando. Yeah, yeah. I, it I would have, and I, I keep saying it, but they really could have made a trilogy out of these movies, and every single one of them would have had enough stories of just Han and Lando just doing whatever Han, mm-hmm. Lando, and Chewie. Like I would have been awesome. The um, one thing I will say. One of, there's a right before L337 gets hit with a blaster fire. There's a part where Lando's standing out there providing cover fire, trying to get him back to the ship. And he's standing there looking like, come on, get over here. And then like a blaster like hits his cape. Yes. And he's, he just kind of looks at him like, what the hell? Pulls his gun up and yeah. shoots the guy and kills him. Yeah. <laughs> I, that is one of my favorite parts. Cause Lando just looks like a badass right there. He's like, he hits his cape like, what turns yeah. up just shoots him it was awesome that's Lando man he takes his cape serious um yeah so they do finally get off the planet uh L3 when Han or when Lando picks up L3 trying to drag her to the ship she kind of just falls apart in his hands breaks her in half yeah so he's got her upper chest and her head um but this is an interesting lore thing for the Millennium Falcon that will always go down as lower of the Millennium Falcon now. And part of why it is such a great ship is the fact that they had to take out L3's uh, central processing unit and then they connected it to the Millennium Falcon because she was the best navigation droid in the galaxy. And now she's, as they said, part of the ship and all that navigation is now part of the Millennium Falcon forever. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that because there's also, there's a line where I think it was 3PO says, like, your ship has the most peculiar dialogue. So <laughs> the ship had, like, the Falcon always had an internal AI. So just the thought that, you know, L3 becomes that AI. and, and Can you, you know, imagine again, C-3PO having a conversation to... <laughs> with L337? <laughs> I can see why 3PO would be like, she's peculiar. Like, that's... My word. He's so Yeah, he's so prim and proper to have somebody like that. He'd be like, this is peculiar. Yeah, exactly. Terrible 3PO impression. Um, so they get off the planet. The Star Destroyer in the Maelstrom with the lightning behind it. Probably Part one of the, of the visual coolest, effects that yes, are earning them like award. One of the coolest scenes in Star Wars that I don't think gets nearly enough credit. Just what an imposing image. Like, just, yeah, so cool. So good. Um, so basically, this is where the Kessel Run plot yes. point of Han Solo starts. I love the retcon. Total. <laughs> so, Star Wars fans, forever. This is where... People start getting divided again on what happens here. But in, you know, the original trilogy talks about making the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. And people just lambasted George Lucas because parsecs are distance, not time. So in this movie, he's taking shortcuts to make the Kessel Run shorter. And the idea being that in the end, 
they weren't they weren't wrong about the Kessel Run being done in less than twelve parsecs because even though they were talking about time originally, it's now actually about distance. Yep. Which I'm not. They found a way to make it work. And here's here's the thing: people that complain about this, which I don't know if anybody does. I think it's a great way to retcon it. It took them 30 years, but they figured it out. And it's a great explanation, in my opinion. In Rogue One, when uh, Jalen Erso talks about he built the flaw in the Death Star so it can be destroyed, that was a big issue with, with Star Wars of why does the Death Star have a hole in it that can, can you know, blow it up so easily? And they explain it a way of, oh, it was by design. Mm-hmm. So in this one, they explain the parsecs thing as, oh, no, we meant distance. He flies through a maelstrom instead of going through a winding road through it. He just goes in a straight line and it takes less than 12 parsecs. It's a perfectly reasonable explanation to me. I can understand some people would be like, oh, well, you're it's too easy that you're trying. Well, yeah, but that they they <laughs> went out with the idea of, well, we need to fix this issue we have. This is the only explanation I can think of. I, I wouldn't have even thought of it, um, but it makes sense. And I, I, I thought it was a great, uh, a great piece of writing and a great piece of creativity. I like it. Yeah, it's smart, right? Yeah. So one thing, one of the themes with Han Solo throughout many of the movies and many characters in Star Wars, at least said in almost most of the movies, I've got a bad feeling about this, right? Yep. <laughs> I thought it was so awesome. <laughs> When he's like talking about, we're going to take the shortcut, and Han goes, I've got a good feeling about this. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, you know, this is the only movie where they did, no one said, I've got a bad feeling about this. And instead, Han says, I've got a good feeling, I've got about, a good this. feeling about this. I like that. Because again, it's, it just shows you like this is a different type of movie. Han's optimistic, you know, he's cocky. Another, another awesome line from the movie that I th- wrote down here um, when Lando. When they finally get out of the Kessel Run and land on the planet to refine the coaxium, Lando says to him, I hate you. To which Han responds, says, I know. I know. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have, I have a couple more things from the Kessel Run scene. Um, do you remember when Beckett was in the gun and Han asks him if the oh, TIE fighter's yes. still on him? And Beckett some metaphor i don't Two remember times he uses metaphors yes and, and han's like i don't know what that means i love time, that because second time he's there's like, a joke is that a yes or a no <laughs> yeah i love it because there's a joke with star wars that everything is a metaphor like they they a use metaphor that everyone metaphor knows. like yeah so there was like you know instead of a hot knife through butter they use like a vibra blade through something and it's like I love the fact that Han's like, I don't understand your I metaphors. Like, just means. speak. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's like some fans would be like, I don't get that. You know, they use metaphors for things in the Star Wars universe that we don't understand. So I thought that was just kind of a funny little, like, break in the fourth wall. Um, the asteroid theme showing up, the Empire Strikes Back asteroid theme playing. Loved that. Um, did I... you catch the Back to the Future reference? What? No. I, I didn't know if you were going to catch this. When Han um, is landing on the asteroid to escape the TIE fighter, he says that his friend Needles taught him that when they were street racing. Needles is who Michael J. Fox raced at the end of Back to the Future 3. I don't know if that's why they called him Needles, but I just, I put those two together. Needles was also in 
Needles was in a lot of the Star Back to the Futures because he's also the one that fired. Right, he was in two. Yeah, he was the older two. Needles. Yeah. I just thought the street racing Needles. I I don't know if that was the reference they were going for, but that's the reference I'm I take. Have to look it, as. it up after this because. Yeah. I could see it. Um, um, my favorite quote from the entire movie is during the Kessel Run. Okay. It's when Chewbacca goes. Chewbacca. He tells Kira to do something and she can't do it. And then Chewbacca stands up and he starts flipping all the switches and does it for her. Yes. And then, and then Lando goes, since when do you know how to fly? And then Chewbacca, you know. And then the best line, 190 years old, you look great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that cracked me. Yeah, that was awesome. I also love when Kira gets up and Chewie sits down and they kind of exchange looks. And it's just like. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this feels right. Exactly. <laughs> that was just my favorite, like, um, Chewbacca the... Han interaction. 190 yes. years old. <laughs> you look great. The communications dish being destroyed because it always gets destroyed. <laughs> so that was just kind of a fun little it, thing. <laughs> r- ripped off by the uh, gravity well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, and then when they land, the Falcon all beat up. And, and, you know, smoking and dirty. I was like, I literally wrote, like, that's the Falcon I know. Like, that's the Falcon I recognize. Destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because if you saw, when you first saw it from Lando's, all the panels were flat. Everything on it was flat. You didn't have things missing. But for the rest of the Star Wars series, all, everything that should be covered by a flat panel is just exposed to everything and... That yeah, the yeah. Han Falcon. literally did not want to spend the money to replace the cosmetics because he just did not care. Yes. And I love that about Han. He does. I mean, he grew up on Corellia. You know, he, he doesn't, doesn't have shit. to look pretty. <laughs> yeah. Just has to work. Um, I wrote down. So when Kira is talking to Han and she says that he's one of the good guys. He's the good and, guy. Yeah, I wrote that. Yes. Too. I love that because. Again, we know that Han eventually becomes the good guy, the hero. But at this moment in time, you know, Han doesn't see himself like that. He, you know, he doesn't care about either side. He's just in it for himself. And then once he gets tangled up with Luke and Leia and the rebellion, that's when he, he, you know, realizes that but, I mean, there is a, a good and a bad. Even in Solo, he does good. He does. He could have taken does, the but... for himself. He gave but could he have? He didn't have a ship. I mean, Chewbacca seemed to be carrying it pretty well. Well, no, but I mean, like, in that situation, could he have really gotten away with the coax? Like, Emphis Ness wanted it, and they seemed ready to kill them. Dryden Voss was definitely ready to kill them. <laughs> they didn't have a transport to get out of there. Like, he needed a plan to... And, and his choices were either give... Enfys nests the coax or give it to Dryden Voss. And he did choose the better of the two options, but I don't think he necessarily did it because but he, also he chose knew it was the, the one right that thing to do. Tobias and made Tobias he, leave. He did choose the option that made Tobias leave. He did. So. Well, Tobias was going to leave anyways. He just invited Han to leave with him. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. I, I just, I, he he did he did give it to the right people, but I didn't take that so much as a Han did it because he believes in the rebellion and believes in fighting the Empire as much as. Um, I think he did it because with... he looked at the people 
that Emphis was with the same way as all the people that he had been stuck in slavery or in t entanglement on Corellia with. Knowing what he didn't have there and all these people had it all stolen from him. Right, but... I mean, he yeah, he didn't give it to Dryden Voss, so he made the right choice. I don't know. I just didn't take it as he he did it as a support necessarily of the rebellion and fighting the empire. Well, at that point, he didn't so know it was just, a rebellion because she didn't say that till the she end. Said, uh, she says it afterwards. That's right. He just knew that it would change their lives and that it had yeah. been stolen from them. So. But yeah, once little... you mentioned the rebellion and could use people like him, or that he would end up going on, right? Yeah, things, then he he's wasn't just like, interested. Ah, I got my own thing going on. So yeah. He chose to do the right thing, but when they asked him to join, he still wasn't right. At he necess point. wasn't necessarily down to fight. Yeah. He wasn't at the, the point the where he's like, ah, that's not my fight. Well, that's because he was all hung up on Kira, so that's all he cared about was getting back to her. Mm -hmm. And she broke his heart. Oh, I also wrote this. Uh, Beckett walks up to the bartender. I know we kind of moved past this, but he asked about their brandy. I was surprised the Star Wars universe has brandy. Well, I, we didn't really mention the chat message from earlier, but uh, Beckett apparently brought hell into the Star Wars universe. I saw like that, but I was confused because Uncle Owen says hell in A New Hope. So I guess chronologically, since Solo comes first, Beckett does mention hell so he becomes the first, first one in lore That's yeah it. but uncle owen says there'll be hell to pay han in empire strike back says i'll see you in hell so there is there is some sort of of religion in the star wars universe right with a concept of hell um they've all been to mustafar so basically the ending of the movie is the double double cross which was amazing. Uh, real quick, I had one more note. Why did Dryden Voss park so far away? What a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't want to get like too they had, close. They to walked him. like it was like a football field. He could have parked closer. He was just being a jerk. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, the double, double cross. Uh, I I saw it coming. The the Beckett double cross, at least I saw it coming. Beckett I didn't necessarily sure. see it. Yeah, I didn't see the Kira one coming. I, I, I'll admit, I did not see that coming. But uh, the Beckett one was, was very obvious because... All he does is he tells Han like, "Hey, meet me on Tatooine," and walks away. And it's well, like, they acted like he'd been gone enough. for like three weeks. That ship came yeah. within hours. And the way like they dragged it out a little too far when Dryden Voss is like, "My associate, like bring him in." All this, and it's like, we all we know, know it's Beckett. Like in. who? Who else is it? Is it Lando? That would have been it. If it would have been Lando, that would have blown my mind. That would have been <laughs> a much different story. Yes, exactly. That would have been pretty awesome, actually. Um, but uh, but yeah, then the Kira one, I, I didn't necessarily necessarily see that coming because I also didn't see Darth Maul coming. I thought when Voss was dead, they'd be like free. Yeah. I didn't see Kira Not, answering to Darth Maul. She could never have left. She could never leave because she was so far embedded with the Crimson Dawn beyond yes. Dryden I, Voss. I also Maul love Dryden Voss when when... Beckett leaves and Voss and Han and Kira are like fighting and, and Voss is like ducked behind a couch and says, I think it's time we, we like re renegotiate or reevaluate our, our relationship. relationship. I love that. That was such a great line. <laughs> but again, yeah, you Paul go first. Bettany. Yeah. Paul Bettany played such a great character of like, 
he's he acts very you know prim and proper and he's a businessman but when he needs to he will just straight up stab you in the heart mm-hmm. um, no how cool were those freaking blades he had that was pretty cool i don't remember it slicing through kira's sword like when i saw that i had forgotten that scene that was pretty awesome it it made me wonder well you should i should take that back because there's so many things in star wars that glow on the edges of knives that his aren't special but I kept thinking when I, every time I saw his as opposed to like nests, because it was red maybe, I'm like, is that some kind of like Kyber thing? That yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't I don't know what else in Star Wars lore would would do that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, um, I I thought they were really neat. I was I was I don't remember. Kira picks them up at the end, right? And like. Doesn't she take them or something? Because I was thinking, like, that'd be really cool to see her using them and, like, again, solo two or whatever. she took one. I don't remember her pulling one, one yeah. out of his chest. Um, oh, Drew in chat. Kira's fighting style takes its name from the PS2. Star- yes, I do remember that. I remember that what planet Tessa, was when she fought Tessa on Kessel. Nassi or something. Yeah, yes. Kessel, she mentioned. We don't even see what she does. Dryden. But then she, that's, yeah. She was like Tessa Nassi or something. Um, but yes, I do remember that. Um, what else? Uh, Darth Maul. I wrote, I literally wrote down Darth Maul because again, I remember being in theater and seeing that scene and it blowing my mind because I knew that Maul, you know, survived and had more, you know, more of a story and everything. Robot legs. Yeah. Yeah. But to see it brought back to live action, I thought was really cool because it, again, it's that connection from, the established big budget movies that the casual fan sees and the animated clone wars rebels, all that, that, you know, the deeper lore fans will go out and watch. It, it gives more people a reason to find the clone wars and watch them and ask the question, why did Maul survive? Mm-hmm. Um, which I always think is great because if, if you have a re- it's like, it's like Marvel, my dad, you know, my, I've told you know, you know, my mom loves star Wars and Marvel as much as I do. My dad, likes to say he doesn't, um, but he does. And the reason he loves it is because he watches the movies with us and, and enjoys them. And then he wants to get more into it. So like, he wants to learn more about like the characters. So when the series come out, like the Mandalorian, he was like, Oh yeah, I'll watch that with you guys. Like, you know, I want to, I want to. So then he sees Boba Fett and he remembers Boba Fett. He's like, Oh, that's Boba. You know, I, that guy was in return of the Jedi. So it's like, it's stuff like that for a casual fan, like my dad to then, be more invested. And I think this was another moment seeing Darth Maul, a casual fan that went to go see solo just because they remember Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to see Darth Maul and think, Hey, that guy looks familiar. And then they're going to find remember and watch Phantom Menace and be like, well, he dies. How does he survive? So they start watching clone wars. I, I thought it was a great way for them to add it in. Um, It's a shame. It didn't go anywhere. Well, it's much, much like Ahsoka in the Mandalorian series. Yes. Which yeah. is because Ahsoka's such a huge Ahsoka's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. But if you only watch the movies, yeah. you have no idea who she is. And, and it's a shame. And then hopefully it, well, I'd explain who she was to my parents when I'd we watched that episode. Explain it to my parents too, because they're, they're like, not gonna watch seasons of the Clone Wars, but yeah. I had to tell you know, explain the story to them. <laughs> I'm like, that is uh now Darth Vader's apprentice. Former yeah. apprentice, not even a Jedi anymore, because that's a whole another story. So, 
such an interesting character. But yeah, so Darth Maul. Um, I put down, I wish Beckett didn't die. I thought uh, there was way more that he could have done with Han and Chewie and, and Jabba, and there could have been more to his story. Um, but I, I, I get the reasoning behind it because, again, it gives Han another reason of don't trust anybody, only, only look out for yourself, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing when Kira betrays him. He, you know, he's, he just shuts himself off and he doesn't care about anybody or anything. And until he meets a princess from Alderaan and falls in love. Exactly. <laughs> I only had the last two points where that Han shot first made it. a point. I love that. Yes. You know, love with, that. with all the problems with, uh, you know, the, the, the re special editions with Greedo. He and shot Han. first in Greedo too. And I mean, he shot first, like, I don't know where you stand on that, but Han shot first. He will never have not shot first. But <laughs> yeah. the point is, they made it a point in this movie to have him shoot before he could even finish his sentence. Yes. Because, so there was no well, doubt. As soon as he like like fingered his trigger, Beckett did, Han fires. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, that's, he learned. He And, and he even says, like, you know, anticipate people's, you know, uh, what they're going to do. And he knew exactly what Beckett was going to do. He was trying to distract him and get a shot off. So mm-hmm. good on Han. My last moment, the rematch of the Sabbath game, freaking loved it. Loved Han stealing the card. Love the way he cockily plays it. Um, I love the interaction. Cause it reminds me, it reminded me of the empire strikes back interaction when Lando acts pissed to see Han and then is all friendly. Han acted pissed when he saw Lando, but then gave him a hug and was all friendly. So I liked that kind of uh, duality between it. Exactly. Drew Leia says he only cares about himself and he does in a new hope. And then eventually later on when he leaves Leia again in the sequel trilogy, which let's not talk about that. Um, But yeah, that was my last note. I don't know if you have anything else about the, the movie you want to go over. Last note for me was where everything laid off. Um, they get the Millennium Falcon, and basically he's talking with Chewbacca about what they're going to do next, which would have totally led into the second movie. And that was, well, Tobias told me about a job on Tatooine for a hut gangster named Jabba. And then that's where this, the movie ends. And it's like, I want to know what made Han have that debt that made Jabba go so far as to hire bounty hunters to go and get Han Solo. Now, do you think that the job that Han and Chewie are going to at the end of Solo is the same one that Han gets into debt over? Or do you think that, because I look at, I think this is chronologically too early for Han to be indebted to Jabba. I think that this is the beginning of him working for Jabba and he works for Jabba for like 10 years. And then something happens to where he, he, you know, screws up, jettisons his shipment and owes Jabba money. Um, I don't I don't remember exactly where Solo falls chronologically, but it's I think it's at least five years before A New Hope. Yeah. So I, I think this is like this job is the beginning. He starts working with Jabba because I like to think like when Jabba interacts with Han in the deleted scene in A New Hope, they have a very close chummy relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think like they worked together for years and Han at one point was like his most reliable smuggler right. and then let him down. So yeah, I, I really would have loved to see there's a shadow behind you. 
It's <laughs> my wife standing right there. Hi, Joy. <laughs> Richie says hello. There it is. <laughs> awesome. Um, I I I really would like to see because you figure if they would have done a trilogy two and three, two could have literally just been about Han being a smuggler. I mean, even killing off Beckett and all them. Han being a smuggler while also uh, Black Sun trying to hunt him down because you know Kira sells him out to Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and then the third one. You know, could have been uh, the culmination of that with probably Kira dying and, and Han being all brokenhearted or whatever. So, I don't know. There's so much they could have done. Or um, Black Sun being the cause of why his shipment had to be jettisoned. And put right, in yeah, trouble that, exactly. That could have been, yeah, he could have had a ship do that because of Black Sun. And then, and imagine 10 years between Solo and New Hope. Okay, yeah, so 10 years is... Uh, yeah, Han worked for Jabba for ten years before he jettisoned that. They were like, I, it just would have been cool to see the other side of that relationship of Han being, you know, a, a trusted employee of Jabba instead of frozen in carbonite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then imagine they could have had Boba Fett show up in the second or even the third one because obviously they knew each other. Lando could have been back. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's so much they could have done. I remember there was one point in the legends novels, I don't remember which one when Han actually runs into Darth Vader, he's like hiding. He's like meeting with somebody and then, uh, Vader shows up. So Han like hides and Vader like murders the guy he was meeting with. And he knows Han's there, but he just leaves him. Cause he's like, well, he doesn't care. Like he means nothing to him. So it's mm-hmm. like just that little instance. Like they could have done more things like that. Um, again, just a, just a shame that there's not, just so much left that could have been yeah. something. Out of all the things I want to see in Star Wars, you know, obviously Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan. But Han, more of Han Solo is ranks higher to me than, than even Cassian Andor. Like, I, I'm excited for the Cassian Andor series, but if I had a choice between Cassian Andor and Han Solo 2, I would pick Solo 2. Right. For sure. Well, I think that brings us to the last point and that is i think we've made it abundantly clear that we both really liked solo we really wish that there was Whoa, another wait, one what? no i hated solo yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> exactly um no. so i think that's pretty much it for the review we both liked it really wish there was more the cast was awesome and in the end a really good movie that not a lot of people went to see and didn't get really good reviews so got labeled a bust and made it so the second one that the sure as hell seems like that planned has never been announced. So, and at this point, probably never will be. No. Nope. Um, but again, I mean, maybe Han pops up in Lando series. Maybe they get a, a solo series at some point. Who knows? We shall see. Well, I think we should end it there. We've had a very long podcast. A lot of uh, fun times. Yeah, I can talking. talk about Star Wars for a long time. <laughs> we. This is not even on the uh, at the longest podcast episode, so don't don't feel too bad. Uh, the I don't know what I was gonna say. Thank you everybody for listening. This is gonna end it for us. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Shattered Orders Discord, you can go to discord.me/shatteredorder. Go join us there, where we talk about um, Swaga, the Star Wars game, as well as Star Wars in general, all week long there. Um, and you can help us pick what we're doing episodes on because 
like I said at the top of the show, there were three different options, and if you were in Discord, you got to help pick what we were talking about today. So um, we'll be back next week with a Swaga podcast, and then two weeks from now, we'll be back with another uh, Star Wars Entertainment podcast, and that's the way it's going to go uh, for the foreseeable future to see if we want to get into it like that. Um, I'll keep you guys updated on what's going on with Wink in his new fatherhood and uh, what that means for me and hosting the show and the things that we do. But hopefully, you know, you had a good time tonight and enjoyed the show. And we'll have more uh, Star Wars entertainment in two weeks. So uh, you got anything? I almost called you Wink. You got anything else you want to say, Richie? Uh, honestly, just thank you for having me. It's uh, It was a lot of fun. Um, love talking Star Wars, and, and hopefully, you know, everybody enjoyed. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll want me back to, to tell you guys how bad The Last Jedi is and set you right. So. <laughs> Mayhaps. <laughs> All right. Um, usually I say the last few things, and then Wink says later. So you're going to have to do that for him when I finish talking. All right? Got it. All right, here we go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with episode 268, where we'll be covering the Road Ahead post that was recently posted this week, as well as a few updates, as well as a new character, uh, Boba Fett, scion of Django, who looks really awesome. So until then, we'll be back next week for episode 268. Catch you next time. Later. <laughs>